Megalithomania 2. This will be the second time that I've presented some of the information we've gathered here over the years of the podcast. I had to narrow it down to four spots. So on tonight's journey, we're going to Gobekli Tepe, to Baalbek, to Egypt, and then back to a land down under. At the start of this one, you'll get a snippet of an idea of how many different places on this planet have megalithic sites. It's pretty much all of them. So it's very hard to present this as a whole. Even the sites that we focused on tonight, I skimmed over a lot of information. Each site could easily be a presentation in itself and probably deserves to be. However, what we're trying to do here is present a global picture. An understanding that there was a civilization that came before that was truly global in nature. From baseline spirituality practices to building techniques, there is definitely something that echoes across this globe. And the linchpin is potentially Australia, which is where I call home. However, potentially where many other cultures called home at one time or another. We have to put this puzzle together on a global scale though. And that is what I'm attempting to do here. I used a slideshow for this one, so I will be putting a video up on YouTube and I will try and post the slideshow to Facebook and the Unlocking the Code page. I'll also send it to anyone who wants it. The thing is, when I looked at the size of the slideshow, it's 128 meg, so it's quite large. So if you want a copy, do not hesitate to DM me, contact me over Facebook or Instagram and Unlocking the Code, the number 9 at gmail.com and I'll happily send you a copy so you can have a look through the pictures that we were looking at. We haven't even scratched the surface with this one. However, it was a, an absolute pleasure to have Angus back in the studio because me and him started this over four years ago. The first deep megalithic dives, the multi-hour study sessions were done with him and it's always a pleasure to sit down with him and unpack this stuff and get his perspective. I'm going to leave it there. We're going to go with Rowdy again. Which two songs? I'm not sure. The ones we've got are Wicked and I'll just give you the two that come to me when I'm stitching this one together. As always, really appreciate your time. Really appreciate the time that you take to download this. Please spread the word. This information and this puzzle that we're joining together is truly unlike anything I've seen before. Okay, We are gr breaking new ground with this stuff. So if you could share it, let people know, give us a review on iTunes and any other apps that you've downloaded this on, that'd be very cool. Look after yourselves, stay safe, be kind, be cool, stay focused, and we'll talk soon. Have I burned up? Have I blackened the ground? Will I fight back? Find my strength again? Days have been gold. Tomorrow, losing their shine. 
G'day everyone, welcome back. It's a special night tonight, because technically a few weeks ago we turned four, so I decided to invite Mr McDermott back to the refinery. How are you man? It's been a little while, it's been a minute. It's been a hot minute my friend and I am ecstatic to be back tonight. It's going to be a good one. I'm excited about what you've got to present me my friend. You've been doing some fucking work. I know man. I've been putting in the in the yards. Yeah, man. I've been you've putting got, in the yards. You you've got me excited. Mm-hmm. You know, you've sold it to me. You had my curiosity. Yeah. So basically, what we're going to do tonight, everyone, is megalithomania two. Now we're doing a few different things tonight. So there will be a video portion of this one. The video is currently recording. Have a we had an epiphany, mate. We realised because the problem in the studio has been we couldn't get ourselves in the frame. However. We probably, you probably don't want, we don't want you to see us. Why and you do probably we don't to want to see frame. us either. You don't need to see us. Exactly. We've it's got, bad enough when we see ourselves. Exactly. We've got heads for radio, okay? So what heads, we decided. Bodies. It, yeah. We've got the whole shebang bang for radio. <laughs> so what we decided is basically the camera is recording the screen in front of us. And I'll also release the slideshow onto whatever I can release it on social media platforms, etc. for those to play along. So if you if you started listening to this and you don't have the slideshow, check Facebook. I will have posted it there. 
Okay, it might help. What do you think? How do you how do you think the slideshow is going to work at this stage? Is it going to autoplay, or is it going to be a series of photos that they can scroll along with? It's a series oh. of photos that they can scroll along with. Okay, so basically, I've got my magical clicker. Here, yes, so I can go do whatever I want. Oh, right? nice. Yes, so, very professional, Triff. Um, I've got it's a, it's a laser too. Oh, and the pointer, but it doesn't yeah. work on the TV. It doesn't. I was about to say, does yeah. it work on the no, TV? It doesn't work on the TV. You read we, my mind. But we can point the laser at stuff. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, basically, man, we had a bit of a discussion today. The 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 uncanny valley in this podcasting slash video audio world is when you are deep in a uh, like I've noticed it when I'm doing the stuff with Zoom like I did with Jock the other day and Muhammad you get caught in the visuals and it's hard to have a presentation conversation that was that was the term that I, I coined this morning and. We're going to try and do that. So, yes, this is a presentation that I'm presenting to you. However, we're going to cover some old old ground, but we're going to come back to it with a, with the twist of all that we've learned and some of the new stuff that I've learned. And we're going to look at things from a different perspective that I don't think you've looked at before. You may have. And we're just going to have a discussion. However, I've got points that I want to bring up and discuss. So, when we, I'm not going to say slide one, slide two, you know. We almost need like the turn the page chime remember that one yeah yeah so i'm not going to do that however it'll the conversation should unfold in that manner um but yeah i'm looking forward to this man i think it's it 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 is an evolution and obviously it's you know april what a bumper month for the podcast as far as the guests are concerned you know you've you've amazed me with the guests that you've you've pulled in here man muhammad Blew my mind with the stuff that he was bringing out. Yeah. And then we had Double Day coming down. Doubling down. Yeah, doubling down on Double Day, exactly. (laughs) And yeah, he's a super cool dude and I really look forward to talking to him again. And look, there's more in the works. I'll just just put it like that. I'm, I'm in negotiations with some other really cool guests to continue the work that we're doing. We'll have Colin back as well. Colin was an unbelievable storyteller. And I'd like to hear more of his story as well. Yeah, I've I got to admit, man, I'm a little bit overwhelmed. I'm not sure quite why I'm here. You know, <laughs> you know, it's it's always good to be in the room where you're the dumbest person in the room. So that's that's good. Maybe I'm maybe I'll move up from here. That's you know? all good, brother. I'm I'm stoked that you're here. You know, what I mean, I'm here for- to I'm here to learn, everybody. Well, the thing, and that's what I said to you. I'm going to take you on a ride tonight because I've expanded, and we're only going to focus on um, four different things tonight. All right, because it's going to be enough anyway. You know, yeah, because four, Triff's got 90 fucking slides. 90 <laughs> slides for four things. Um, so so there, yeah. may be a, there may be a slight amount of uh, experimentation with this one as well in terms of knowing what to put up. We may skip some. Yeah, look, I, a lot of it is, in, in some of the subject matter, a lot of it is just different perspectives of it. Yeah, okay. Okay, yeah, so yeah, yeah. that's why I'm not going to say slide two, slide three. Yeah. You can, you know, can you hear that? You might, can you hear the click? You might be able to hear the click, um, but that'll be me changing slides. However, let's get into it. Let's, yeah. Quit, Mega, quit banding around. Yeah. Come on. Megalithomania 2, an unlocking the code interpretation. I like that because that is all it is. Remember, we always have said here that we know nothing. And anything that we say, don't listen to us, number one. But number two, <laughs> it's just a perspective. Right, so 
the ideas that I'm going to share with you tonight, the knowledge I'm going to share with you tonight is me synthesizing an immense amount of data mm-hmm. into my interpretation. Your interpretation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I like it, man. Like we've always said, the um, and I think what's what the everyday person has realized is the the institutionalized information that was presented to us in such an absolute way for so long yeah was just, stands on a, on a on a pillars of sand yeah exactly it's just you know, it's just their perspective it's just their perspective yeah they just say it in a absolute way when it, and it's a steered narrative that's the other thing too that's the other you know and this is so we're going to go to four places tonight now i thought i'd take it easy on you I'm not going to do any weird stuff right we're going to go Gobekli Tepe, Baalbek, Egypt, and then we're going to come home. Back to Australia. Back to Australia. And I'm actually, nice. I've actually got photos. I'm going to, for the first time, show the best stuff that we found at Gympie. Yep. And talk about it. Yep. I'm also going to um, put up photos of the imprint at Junibara. Mm-hmm. Uh, I took you, we, we saw that on the yep. way back from Gimby that day. Where, where we uh, played with the snake. We, we, yeah, we, <laughs> <laughs> what's in that puddle? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Triff, but I'm going to get it out. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a lizard. Yeah, it wasn't a lizard. Oh, that's that's a <laughs> uh, some kind of tiger. No, it was a tiger. It wasn't a tiger snake. It's like a keelback. Yeah, but ke- they call it like an eastern tiger or something. Yeah, something like that. It Night wasn't tiger. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, so we're going to go there, and we're going to, and obviously some of the Stonehenge stuff, and then Gosford glyphs, obviously, because that's come into it, and just some of the other work that's been going on around that as well, because I think that's important to share. So because we're only going to four places, what I thought I would do is give you and the listeners an understanding. When I say, and when we've said on this podcast and before, that there is a global megalithic civilization that once existed, the first slide we're going to look at is actually the known megalithic sites, the countries. Let me just run through them. (laughs) Egypt, Ethiopia, India, Indonesia, Israel, Japan. Laos, Lebanon, Micronesia, South Korea, Syria, Tonga, Turkey, England, France, Germany, Spain, Bahamas, Costa Rica, Cuba, Guatemala, Honduras, Mexico, United States, Bolivia, Chile, Colombia, Peru, Greece, Ireland, Malta, Netherlands, Russia, Scotland, China's not on there, and Australia. So take, basically take everywhere. Breath, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> basically everywhere. When we say there was a global megalithic culture that is on every single continent, okay? There was a couple there, like China's not on that list, and they've definitely got some. There's so many. Antarctica's and not on that Antarctica's list. Antarctica's not. But, you know, that's the, that's the kind of stuff that's coming with global warming as we get glaciers melting. Well, we're getting more evidence... The ice is building, it's chasing the poles, but that's not for tonight. <laughs> so, where are we going to start? Go Beckley Tepe. Okay. I thought a map up there, just to give people an idea of where it actually is. Nice. What I want you to look at too is where it is in relation to Syria, because that's going to come into play a little bit later. Yep. But when you see there, each one of those red dots there is a different site. Okay, so you've got Hasman Tepe, Sefer Tepe, Tuzli Tepe, Navali Kori, Urfa, and then go Beckley Tepe. Yep. Now, I thought we'd start... Pillar 43. 43. Right? 
we know about enclosure Pillar 43. D. Enclosure yeah. D. Nice. We did it. We did an extended podcast on Pillar Forty Three, and it's actually one of our better ones. So go back and listen to that one if you haven't already. And basically, the more that time has gone on since we did that episode, the more and more confirmation that Gobekli Tepe in itself is actually definitely astrologically aligned, right? Mm-hmm. So then that then leads the evidence of that uh, Sweatman and Six Rikas came up with on their paper is more and more likely that that is actually what it is, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. So just to remind people that it's basically a pillar representing the cataclysm 12,800 years ago in whichever form that took, okay? Um, the solar flare thing seems to be ga- ga- gaining momentum at the moment. I'm yep. going to give. It, I'm going to give it its due diligence. I've decided um, about. See, the thing is for me too, and I actually I haven't run this by you off the off the mic, so I'm going to run it by you now. Yeah. So we're saying that, uh, you know, Halloween is potentially us celebrating the end of the world, right? Yep. We've also heard along the way that the meteorites come out from behind the sun during that time during the Torrid Media Stream at the end of October into November, uh-huh. the meteorites are coming from behind the sun. What if it was both? What if a bunch of stones flew through the sun or something and dragged a, a massive EMP pulse or a solar flare with it? You know what I mean? Everyone's going, it was a solar, mm. it was solar. What if it was both? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, it's hard to say what the effect, say a comet, flying close to the sun could have. Yeah. But definitely, possibly, without someone to say no, yeah. possibly, or just a massive coincidence. Mm. And to add to that the other day, because I was actually thinking about how you could have like a comet breaking up or multiple um, particles coming at the Earth. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about it and I thought, well, what if something big meteor, comet, Mm. you name it, whatever cosmological entity you want to have, Mm. or one of these like Oumuamua's that just come out of nowhere, Mm -hmm. or what if something that comes from outside flew in and when it passed through the toroid media stream... Picked up a heap of crap along its way. Hit something. Yeah. Hit something, and so now it's created a stream Mm. of debris... Mm. That's then hit over that thousand odd years of the younger Dryas, yeah, 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 sort of thing. You know, yeah. I, that was just a little theory that I, a little thought that I had the other day, and that that could definitely be the case. I, I'm, I obviously the Hiawatha crater didn't make it onto the list tonight. However, that's something we're still waiting on results for that. Basically, at the end of the day, the Hiawatha crater, we don't have conclusive ice cores to say what the dating is of that crater. Um. However, if that's the smoking gun from 12,800 years ago, yeah, then it could be both, right? And remembering, I suppose, things to take away from Gobekli Tepe, you can see the alignment, the astrological alignment up on the screen there. Yep. That's probably the most pertinent one that we've got. Uh, that That's the most proof that I see, okay? And, you know, that the circle that the bird is holding is actually representative of the sun, Obviously, there's the handbags there, the multiple different types of animals, right? And the other thing about Gobekli Tepe, 
I actually, there's a Pillar 57 is very, very fascinating as well. I haven't seen any work specifically mm. on Pillar 57. See, 57, yeah, that's not in the mainstream. No, no. So basically during this research, I, I, I zeroed in on it and I basically started to take like three or four pictures of every pillar. Mm-hmm. Then I'm like, hang on a minute, we've got 150 slides just on Gobekli Tepe. So I, I held back. Might need to back back a little yeah, bit. Yeah, but there's, there's, there's more to discover at Gobekli Tepe. Um, there's more to think about there. Mm-hmm. However, what I wanted to focus on, and we'll just we'll just go that. There you go. There's this. There's pillar forty three in all its glory. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, it's actually got a cover over it now, so it doesn't. You know, there's a big shelter over it now. Yeah, they've built a yeah like um, a shed over the top. Yeah, yeah, heaven heaven forbid that you know and it, you know tinfoil hat stuff. However, if you if we're to believe pillar forty three, then mm. the stars above Gobekli Tepe are exactly the same because remember it, that. Four dates. It matches four dates, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, and there's something interesting here too. Was it twenty thousand years ago? Now these won't be accurate because I'm pulling it out. Check the podcast. The dates are accurate. Um, <laughs> <laughs> twenty thousand, twelve thousand eight hundred, four thousand. Mm-hmm. Right. The interesting thing about four thousand is that there's a couple of bits of research about Masonic stuff that I've been doing, as you well know, mm-hmm. and they talk about four thousand BC. As right. right. Yes. Yep. Um, and then today, okay. And the question I think we ended that podcast on is: is the most pertinent date that Pillar Forty Three represents today? Yeah. Because that that would represent we're in, you know if it's twenty thousand twelve you know we're in a cycle right we it's an interesting question definitely. But where I wanted to go is the pot bellied hill. Mm-hmm. I wanted to show you some vantages of Gobekli Tepe that you may not have seen before. Right. Be- mainly because the pillars are very interesting. However, logistically for me, the most is the interesting part is how the fuck did they fill it? Yeah, yep. Right? And the reason I wanted to show you this too is you can see all the braces, right? You can see all the braces of the T-shaped pillars. Yeah. That wouldn't have been like that originally. No, no, right? no. No, and, we've and, put them in. Yeah, we've put them in. And you can actually see they've built stones around to keep the stones standing up. Yep. But they, they, um, I'm pretty sure they found most of them standing up. I'm yeah. pretty sure. Yep. You can see there's obviously broken ones there mm-hmm. as they're trying to move them. Or I, I, The thing is with Klaus Schmidt unfortunately passing away, we we lost the the leader of that yeah. excavation. So well, Also, back when it was buried... Like you said, how did they do it? How? What amounts were they putting in at one time? Mm. You know, I'm looking here at the the mix up of the material in the walls. Yeah, there's pretty large stones in those walls mm. in terms of like maybe up to 200 sort of mil. Yeah, you know, eight inches. Yeah, sort of eight inch little boulders. So if you're, you know, throwing this stuff in, depending on how they did it and what volumes they put in at once. You may have got zones around that uh, were more compacted and then looser zones in other areas, yeah. which would cause movement over time with That's settling, right. which would then put geological pressure, yeah, pressure onto, and strain uh, which onto some of those T-shaped break pillars, which some of break those, those stones. And my question, especially with, in this picture in particular, is that what's at the bottom of the big hill? Right. Oh, where the, the one tree hill the up the back. The one tree hill up the back there, right? It's yep. like I would be digging straight down there. Yeah. Now, these are this is um, 
encloses A, B, C, and D, and that's the main stuff that's been excavated. Mm-hmm. They estimate anywhere between 25 to 60 other circles are actually underneath the ground still through ground penetrating well, it was it was 5% or so, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, 5 That has been unearthed. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, there's 95% more to yeah. go. Yeah. You know, and, like, that's a fairly large site for alone, that 5% there for, for hunter-gatherers to construct. Yeah. You know? If that's what that's what we want to go, if not, yeah, obviously yeah. we don't want to go with that, but like if that's what we're going to go yeah, with, if the, the hunter gatherers in war paint and loincloths and they're you know taking one rock at a time, yeah, that's that's quite a grandiose structure mm. right there, mm. and then you add another ninety five percent on top of that. Exactly, that's, that is massive. That's a complex. How did they fill it? <laughs> yeah, and, and they filled it prior to the second cataclysm, the eleven thousand six hundred one. Correct. Right. Yep. But going back, actually, I just had a thought. Going back to what we we're talking about before, because the evidence in carvings and bits and pieces does really suggest a solar thing. What if we got hit by a meteorite first, and then the solar flare cleaned it up? Mm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like what this, time period? What? Well, what, what, what we you're, you're the twelve thousand eight hundred one, and then the eleven thousand six hundred. They're the two major. That's the, yes, yes, right? the start and the finish of the younger drives. Yeah. yeah. So what if one was a you know, external impact. Yep. And the other one was a solar flare. Could there's be, no reason there's no why, reason it, couldn't why it couldn't be. It's like all we've got to do is both. find a fucking shred of evidence mm. that points in that in that fucking direction. Mm. So here's another one, right? So this is you can I like this one because you can actually see the fill in the walls a bit better yeah. in yep. that. Yep. Um and you're right, it's not small stuff, okay? There's a lot of loose dirt, but there's this, you know, what we would call in Australia boulders, basically, mm, mm. you know, fist shape type stuff. Definitely. And it's not, I, for whatever reason, thought it was a bit looser than this, but it's not, obviously. Mm. Um, you can see where they've built some of it up. Like, I think some of this here looks like it's been built to support the pillar. Right? Yeah. So it's been yep. done during the excavation. Yep. I'm more looking at the edges and, and that sort of stuff for, for evidence of what the actual fill was, you know? Yeah. But it's fascinating. But look how deep it is. I mean, if we look at... So, look, you've got the down step there, and then it goes... It looks like it sort of goes up the hill. I mean, how... Mm-hmm. I mean, that's That wall has got to be at least, what, 1.8, 2 metres, you would say, roughly? Um, could be even higher, the perspective's interesting. Yeah, it's hard to tell. Mm. Like, you're judging off... Like off that the pillars, off, yeah. Well, also off the walkway because we haven't yeah. stood next to a pillar. Yeah. But that walkway, you know, that's constructed yeah, for about, humans to walk on. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, yeah. Look, I'm going to say that that back wall we're looking at, I'm going to reach into three meters sort yeah, of territory, like ten foot sort yeah, of zone. And if you look at the way that the the pillars are positioned, they still originally used the gradient of that hill yes because this it's all sloping down those middle ones that are in the focal in well, that, that i think that's one of the questions that doesn't get asked mate is that is that the case or was this once a temple that sat on its own ridge and they completely filled it in like what is the what is the the function how did they actually do that because i mean you you've moved dirt for most of your existence mm. i've spent most of my life in logistics we understand the cubic footage and the machinery that you would need to do this today. Oh, yeah. Right? And like I said... And a percentage of it would still have to be done by hand today. Yeah. To... Well, with the... Like, if they've built all those stack stone little walls, 
if they were original, if they're not from now, mm. you know, that's handwork. You can't, you got to bring each, you got to bring loads of that stone in. I looked, I read, I, I, I did try and find out whether they were or not. There was no either way. Like yep. it was like, it, it, some of it, 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 like if we go to, I mean, there's another one, right? I'm going to say a lot of it is because if you look at the way some, it curves around different things. Maybe it is original. I think it's original. Could be. And they've just um, cleaned if down you look, If that. you look down to the bottom and left of the corner, there's the fill there. So yeah. you can see that, 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 that edge there. Yep. That would be the fill, which is what I thought it would have been. Yeah. So if that's the case, then it's even looser, which means it's even more difficult to transport realistically, mm. Mm. you know, to fill in. And and fill it in, yet still keep them aligned. Yeah, like that takes care, but it also takes, you know, that's a lot of hunter gatherers with armfuls of dirt. Yeah, exactly. You know, with coconuts. Yeah, and <laughs> carrying well, well, they're, they're, well gourds, they're, they're <laughs> whatever they're using to carry the dirt, whatever know. implements you yeah. know in the in their shirt, in their shirt. Yeah. Who knows? I, I mean, it's it's just such a fascinating question. Mm. Um, the next question I've got is what's under those boxes uh, because it's like why are they, why why are those ones yeah, covered why, up? Why are they boxed up? That's yeah. a good that's a good point. Yeah. Mm. What's under the boxes? Yeah. You can see in the back along the walkway. There's a bit more of an example of the fill. Yeah. Look, this isn't a we have an answer. However, it's just more. This is a very very interesting question to me. Mm. Because not only do the carvings, not only does the hunter-gatherers who made Gobekli Tepe understand geography, mathematics, astronomy, uh, construction, engineering, the list goes on, they also had an ability to carefully fill. However, at the same time, they filled it, yet it was perfectly preserved. So they, it was like... If they just chuck dirt on it forever, right, we both know what would happen. Eventually, it would just fall over and these pillars would have exposed themselves mm. a long time before now. Yeah, exactly. You get subsidence. Yeah. yeah. So, not but only have they filled it, but they've filled it professionally. In layers, compacted it. Compacted it. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Because, yeah, otherwise you'd get subsidence. And how much, I mean, how many bits of machinery would we need to do it now? Oh, looking at that site and re- remembering that that's 5%. Yeah. We would have huge diggers and probably 15, 20 of them yeah. of different machines of yeah. different types. Dump trucks. Maybe trucks. Yeah. Sort of thing. But, but then, probably you know, graders, compactors. Yeah. You know, you know, rollers. Like yeah. the, the list goes on. That's right. As to how, what the list of machinery we would need what to What we use. would use. Yeah. And yeah, you know, you would have to have in your job description for, for this project... Mm. You would have to have um, care to be taken over the top of mm. uh, production mm. because if you start just tipping fill from the side and pushing it in with a dozer, you can't, you're everything's, knock, you're everything's going, going down. It's all getting yeah. demolished. See, this to me doesn't look original. That to me, well, looks like it's been built as a supporting wall. That that to me, there's there's two ways we could look at it. That was done when they were backfilling mm. to take care and support true, it true and actually do you know what that they did the same thing in the tunnels in the bosnian pyramid they actually shored up the walls yep before they filled it in yep boom so that's a possibility yep. or 
has it been done recently? Has it been done recently? To, to, shore to up. do the same do thing, the same to shore thing. the pillars. Yeah. Um, However, that, that's a piece look, of information we don't have. We don't have. However, if you, when I get the uh, the Jock Double Day video out, yeah, there's a very similar on the sides of that those tunnels, mm. a very similar type formation. Obviously, very different because in the jungle. However, the just that loose, yeah, just that rock. loose stack. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, I, that one was mainly for the bracing that they have to do, and to have a think about. Like you can all, you can see the slot that that one sits in. Mm-hmm. Think about for a second, that would have been standing upright. Yeah. So I wonder how deep the slot is. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm thinking that when I look at this stuff, and it's another good example of the fill there you see in the middle. Yes. Um, I'm looking at this stuff and going, it hasn't been fully excavated properly. Right. Yeah. And if you look on the at the back there, there's there's probably more evidence to say that that some of that stacking is. Uh, original because yes, you, can, you can see the dirt in the fill there. Yeah. You see the, the block in the middle mm. looks like fill mm. material and then the wall at the back it's between that, those two it's pillars got stacking in it. it's been stacked yeah. but you've, you can tell that they've um, used like brushes mm. to to clear the dirt away from them. Yeah. So that, so it could be column A, column B type stuff. Yeah. Well, hang on. Here's, here's, here's the fucking smoking gun, dude. Smoke the sandbags there? Boom. Yeah. That's so the stack stone, I'm going to say, is old school. And the sand Those sandbags, stone, man. They're, they're not. They're the new stuff, yeah. obviously. Yeah, 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 yeah. So there you go. There you go. That's it, I think. I think. There's another. I mean, just the scale. I think. Have you seen this perspective of Gobekli Tepe before? No. I haven't no. seen these photos before, man. No, I, I, I dug for these, man, because yeah. I, it was important to show a different perspective. And because I think we we spend an inordinate amount of time on Pillar Forty Three, mm-hmm. there's so many more, yeah, and so many different types of carvings. As I say, I could dedicate ten slides to each bloody pillar, and we we'd be here all night. Yep, we may be anyway, considering where the how long the story is. However, <laughs> it's not a problem. <laughs> well, man, I'm I'm seeing some other cool anomalies getting around. Bottom right hand corner on that big pillar. Um, in the bottom right-hand corner mm-hmm, of the mm-hmm, photo, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is that a drilled hole? It looks like a hole, doesn't it? A From core here, drill. It looks like a hole, yeah. And I'm on the last slide. If you go back in the right-hand side of the screen, there's another block embedded in oh, the wall. On, there's, there there's a hole there with there's, a round hole. In it. That's actually that has got a hole. in now, it. Now these are fucking, you know, ancient, uncivilized people. Yeah. That that constructed this, you know, Ma- magical chisels. The man. dawn of civilization. Yes. The absolute dawn. You know, they've reset the, the history books. That's very interesting, that block there with the circle in it. I didn't actually notice that before. Yeah, it looks like a subwoofer box. does a little. <laughs> does a little. But yeah, so, oh, that's nice. Yeah, so look, it, there's not too much more to say on the field. This isn't more of a, this is more of a, there's more questions to be asked. Yeah. And the fact that they filled it in and, and they filled it in so carefully actually proves... Again, advanced well, knowledge. Advanced knowledge and the admiration for this site. Absolutely. There was there was an ab- absolute admiration for what this provided to them. Mm. And we technically need to remember as well that it was built and buried in that 12,000 to 11,600 period. Yeah, exactly. So whoever did this they has built gone, it. okay, look, we... 
we it's we, coming back. Whatever's coming is coming back. We put all the stuff in, yeah. like the information, yeah. right, that we needed to. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, the stone wasn't as solid as we thought we needed it. Yeah. So we're going to have to build something more solid next time. Or is it next the same? time we might stack yeah. 2.5 million fucking stones <laughs> on top of each other? Because <laughs> whatever's coming ain't moving that That's puppy. That's right. Nothing's going to move. It's that. not going to move that dog. And yeah. we'll put all the information into that. The yeah. alignments, yes. the sizes, the yes. speeds, yes. all of those measurements yes. that They're can be into that. pulled out of that pyramid. Well, and this is when we, because I've got maps at the start of each section, when we start to have a look at going around, it's all in the sort of similar place, man. You know what I mean? There was a cradle of civilization there, there was an advanced civilization. In that area. Oh, 100%. It's undeniable, man. right? Yeah. And, yeah, it just, it, it blows my mind. Moving past, and I suppose I've got the confidence now to start conducting my own research, I suppose, instead of just relying on articles. Mm-hmm. I go searching for what I want to see. Yep. And I'm, and I'm looking for the papers that I want to read to give me that input data. Mm-hmm. And, Gobekli Tepe is so fucking amazing. No one, I don't think we grasp it because yep. it's in the bottom right-hand corner of Syria and that's not exactly a tourist destination right now. No. And because of, as I say, unfortunately, you know, Klaus Schmidt may rest in peace. However, it stopped after that, right? The accelerated excavation came to a halt after he passed away. And if it's only 5%, imagine what it has got to teach us, Right. But it, it, it takes us looking past our hubris and devoting, you know, archaeo- archaeologists and anthropologists and archaeoastronomers and just descending on that site until it was done. Mm. Uh, and funding. And funding. For all of that. Yeah. Mm. You know. <coughs> Unfortunately, it's going to be an uphill battle. It will be. However, I hope that it continues. I wanted to give it a, an overhead view of the site. Because that gives us a different perspective as well, right? So obviously the the bracing that we see is in the top there, okay? Yep. yep. Um, gives you a bit more. Ah, there's some alignments. Yeah. Yes. A, B, C, and D. Okay. Uh, I'll just go forward a bit because you can, this is where the pillars are. Okay. All right. So you can see there, pillar forty three. Hold sighting stone. There you go. That's the one. That's the one. Right, so there is a hold stone there, okay? So that hold stone is actually next to pillar 43. So pillar 43 is the is the, the, the that top, basically the top yeah. one straight there where the brace is, the left of the brace, is that's where it is there. That's pillar 43. Yep. Um, and that's right next to the hold sighting stone. Yep. Yeah, the vulture stone, 43. Mm-hmm. Yes, I see what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. But yeah, look, that... That's the only. That's all we've excavated so far. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny when you think about it in terms of um, how there's how there's different circular uh, zones. Mm-hmm. You could think about it like so. Pillar forty three. There's evidence that it could tell story of of the cataclysm. Yeah. Right. So, what if? Each one tells a different thing. Each site, A, B, C, D, mm. tells a different story of a different time, different era, that, different epoch a, that the buildings, the builder civilization thought was important to yeah. remember. Yeah, that's an interesting question. That's an interesting question. 
with all this stuff again, getting some of this because I was basically looking for images to show the fill. That was the question, right? Is that because of obviously logistically? Yep. But through that, through that looking, mm-hmm. I had to pull back because it's like, oh, hang on a minute, I'm 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 spiraling down that hole where I'll never, you know. Well, and it's and it's very easy to spiral from afar, mm. you know, because it's like without having the ability to be there and. Mm. You can get lost. But there's many, many more secrets that Gobekli Tepe has for us. Hundreds, dude. Mm. Mm. When this is all we've got excavated and there's mm. so much more. Yeah. So from here, we go... I just wanted to touch on the hands, okay? Mm-hmm. This is some of... I, and I, I should have got which pillar this is. I didn't. Yep. So there you go. There's our first error report. I need to put what pillar this is. Yep. That one there, it's the H symbols there. Yeah. Uh-huh. And the hands. Okay. Obviously, we see the hands at Easter Island. Yep. We see them in South America. We see them here in Australia. I think we see them uh, in around Egypt and that as well. Okay. Yep. Those forward facing hands. And that's actually, um, as far as I understand it, a representative of that's a mother holding her. Yeah. Her, tum- her tummy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which is exactly what they do today. You know, we, yep. you know, both of them. It's, it's a very classic yeah. Yeah, thing to, right. for them to do. And that H symbol, Yep. the massive H is at Puma Punku. Okay? Mm-hmm. It's just some of the symbology that echoes around the planet. Mm-hmm. You know, just a couple of just a couple of different visions of that. And just to remember that again, what what how many countries are on that list at the start? I don't remember, you know, I couldn't even begin to rattle them off again. Twenty billion. Right. Yeah. So but then we come to that's an indigenous fella. Yep. Okay. Australian. The man. Wizard of Wagaya, a great medicine man of Central Australia, as the signs on his body show. He instructs tribes in mysteries. Now, I read one article. So basically, they said because of that, that the the two hoops underneath and the thing in the middle. Yep. That it was very similar to Australian Indigenous. Yes. Okay. Because yep. he just doesn't have the ends on his H. He doesn't have the ends on his H. Yep. Right. However, the entire article debunked it because there's a H there, can't be Australian Indigenous. Yep, well, of course. Of that's, course. A, that's a variation of a symbol, okay? And I would actually argue that if you look at that pillar, that the, that, that the edges that he's, that there is actually the whole pillar. I know exactly what you're saying. Right? Yeah, yeah. It doesn't mean that that's necessarily a H. No. It could be the edges of that it's pillar. It's the edges of the whole pillar, and that's it, actually separate. That's yeah. what it looks like to me. Yeah. Um, however, like we just said, we said in the beginning, very authoritatively, mm. this thing, no, it's definitely not this because of this, right? Yeah. To me, that looks like that, and that yep. is the edges of the pillar. Yep. No, I'm not saying it is Australian Indigenous. However, what I am saying is that the evidence is building of Australian Indigenous symbology echoing around the globe. Yeah. Yeah. And that's part of the larger work that we're all, doing here. All the global stuff echoing here. Exactly. It doesn't necessarily... It, it could, could come, be, it it could could come from here. It Absolutely. could come from there to here. Absolutely. It could just actually be global. I think know? it is. I think I think at the end of the day, it's global. Yeah. Right? I think, you know, basic spirituality, symbology, it is global. Yeah. Thinking back to, though, looking at the back there, that's also more evidence that that, look, that wall looks original. If you compare the stone to the wall, mm-hmm. they're about the same age, aren't they? So that's definitely... That hasn't been put there. That was there... Yeah, when it was buried, they look yeah, they look very similar. Mm. But yeah, that, that I just wanted to finish on that, and just yeah. the fact that one article goes, no, nah, that's it, no, it's not. But to me, it looks like the edges of the pillar. 
if that's the case, then that takes that back into perspective. Hundred percent. And even even if they were, if if it was to exactly be an H in the other one mm. and this one, it's a variation of the it's, it's a variation of very like the percentage of that symbol that is the same is far outweighs the part that is different. Exactly. And exactly. what's to say it's not a regional thing? You know, well, this in the, this region of the globe, that's the symbol. In the next region, they, they add the, the sides. Put the little sides on it because because that's what they do. Because that's what they do. What's right? to say and, it's not the and, case? And this is why I say it echoes because I think there's just different variations of mm-hmm. the same thing over and over again. Yeah, yeah. That's about it for Gobekli Tepe, mate. Well, look, that's it's. You know, that's it's just a little shed, snapshot. and it's shed some more information on. Gebekli Tepe than what I've been presented with before. Yeah, and that that's the aim. That's the aim because mm-hmm. you could spend a three-day conference on Gebekli Tepe if you wanted to, right? So part of this, these megalithomania presentations that I'm putting together is it's more about asking questions and just showing a different range of information, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, and I probably should understand what pillar that is too. Should have a pillar name, shouldn't I? Pillar numbers at least. That's all right. You'll it's get okay. There. We're learning. So from here, we go to Baalbek. Yep. But what I want you to notice is where Syria is. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So that means Gobekli Tepe is just up to the you know, just up to the top right there. Top right, yep. yep. Right, so it's not that far away. But what's in what's it what's it that's outside Lebanon, mate? Baalbek. Hmm. The ancient city of Baalbek is one of the greatest archaeological mysteries of all time. Located east of the Latani River in Lebanon, Baalbek is known for its monumentally scaled Roman temple ruins. These Roman temples were built on top of an even more ancient 5 million square foot platform that was made from some of the largest stones ever used in any construction project ever used. The largest stone found weighs 1,200 tons, actually 1,600, and is about 64 feet long. I'll give a plug to Mysteries Unresolved or Runsolved, because they've got some pretty cool stuff. Yep. they had, they I do use that stuff. It's mysteriesrunsolved.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I thought 5 million square feet, 46.5 hectares. Yep. 115 acres, or 464,515 Square meters, like that's a large site. Just wrap your laughing gear around those numbers, just for a little second there. Yeah. Okay. Now, I wanted to give you a different perspective of Baalbek too, because that's a different perspective. We don't often see what's left of the temple from that angle. Yeah. Right. It's always because when we're looking it up, we're looking up the megalithic stones, aren't we? Right. Exactly. There's a bit of an overview of the site. It's not a total overview. You can see it actually extends up the top yeah. there a bit further. So is that the temple down the bottom? The temple's down the bottom there. And then you've got... Well, there's, it's all a temple, right? Yeah. And Bacchus, so it's the temple of Bacchus or uh, Dionysus. Mm-hmm. All right, he's the, uh, he's the god of wine. Of course. We love wine. Yeah. Wine and... Um, Wine, oh, I can't remember, I was, I was trying to remember this, wine and revelment or something like that. Festivities. Yeah, something like that. But <laughs> if you're going to build a temple to any god, there's probably the one to build it to, you know what I'm saying? Straight like, up. But that the is... The god of good times. The god of good times. <laughs> this one was cool because this is actually a f- one of the earliest photos of the entrance of the temple to Baalbek, taken around 1900. 
and just look at the entranceway, man. Mm, that's awesome. You know, like makes you think of giants. It does make you think of giants because all the big, all the doors are big. Like through Egypt, they're all big. However, more about just having a look at the the masonry as well, the mm-hmm. size of the stones. Okay, yeah. that's something we're going to look at in a minute. But I just thought that was a really, really cool perspective that I I hadn't seen before. Um, and I only had like a thumbnail picture of it. I had to go and dig to find a higher quality resolution so we could see it in this format. There's another one we don't see. But I wanted to show here just the the Roman artistry. And look at the lion's face. Yep. Does it look symmetrical to you? looks very symmetrical. You sure? Oh, no, to the left it's not. It, yeah, it looks like not. the yeah. nose skews and one way. It does, actually. No, you're right. Which you're if, right. if that's Roman, yeah, the Egyptian, Egyptian stuff is, ten times is better. way better than yeah, that. Yeah. Well, we're going to go to Egypt. You wait till we get there. Uh, but it just wanted to see that because the Romans, in their own right, yeah. were very talented. Oh, 100%. Like, we, we can't actually, you know, when we say, oh, the Romans didn't, put the big blocks there. I don't think they did at all. Did they build an amazing temple, stone temple on top of it? Yes, they did. There's yeah. the evidence right there, right? Yeah. No doubt about that. You know, the Romans do need their due, okay? Mm. You know, there's roads in Europe that are still functioning better than any road that we built here. Yeah. That the Romans built 3,000 years ago. Yeah. No, look, they were very good at what they did. Mm. Um, but... Were they as good as the ones that came before? Not at all. No. And they just didn't do it on the scale yeah. that those who came before. Now, see, where we got here, this is a different perspective, and um, this is going to play trickery with you, okay? Mm. Because those blocks underneath, so you've got the two walls there. You've got the big yeah. blocks underneath, yep. and then you've got the, the small the, blocks, the, small blocks the Roman stuff on top. Yep. When I first looked, I'm like, oh, yeah, they're not that big. And then I saw that. Then you put a dude in there. Yep. Right? That is not the big, massive nine stones, you know, the big the big massive ones that, are, that make the platform. That is an entirely different set of stones, judging by those two blokes there that are three metres by, what, ten metres? Yeah. Easy? Yeah. Right? Not small stones at all. No. At all. And there's numerous, there's, there's like, you know, if we go back to this one, how many's there? There's six, seven, you know, around the corner. Like, they're not, you're talking hundreds of probably, you know, a couple of hundred ton in each of those. Yeah. Yeah. You would think, yeah. right? But they don't look that big until you do that. Until you put them in perspective. Yeah. Which makes you appreciate the newer Roman stuff as well. Absolutely. Like, like you were saying before. You know, you look at the Roman stuff up the back there mm. and it's like, you know, they were no slouches themselves. No, it's not bad work at all. 100%. Like, you know, they they were trying to emulate. Well, well that's I it. I think they knew as well that stone was what it was. Stone lasts the longest. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But they were coming from a perspective where they had a lot of time and mm. a lot of resources to perfect an art, mm. but they were never able to logistically get to the point where they could do it with the bigger stones. Mm. They could do it with that because they could use human thuggery 
yeah. to move that around. And, look, and to pretend they didn't have basic pulleys and wheels and stuff because of the chariots. All that yeah, sort of exactly. Stuff. They had basic lifting technology, yeah. uh, which allowed them to, to lift the, the larger ones of these stones, you know, cranes and, and, and the such. Yeah. Um, however, I still struggle to see them lifting those big ones there. Yeah, or dragging, dragging. those big ones yeah. or pushing or whatever. Yeah. Whatever it is. And I just... Moving... So yeah, we always focus on the on the big massive ones, but I just wanted to look at the temple itself. You just come back to the medium sized ones, and them alone exactly will blow your yeah, mind. Yeah, why? Yeah, why do we need to worry about the the stone of the pregnant woman when yeah. we we got a half a dozen stones there that are ginormous? Yeah, like, exactly. You know, but there we go. Here is what I wanted to see. Here mm-hmm. is I'm looking past the big ones on the top. Yep. And what I'm looking at is the work that it would take to shake that angle mm-hmm. and then how interlocked are these ones underneath? So if you think about that that bottom three rows, yeah, it looks to me it's an interesting and it's hard to know without being on the side, but the very bottom row looks to be bigger stones. And then there's two smaller stones. Yep. And then you got the massive one. Then you got massive then you got big ones and then you got the massive ones on top. Mm-hmm. Made me wonder. How long are the stones in those two rows that we can see? The ones that look small. Mm. Yeah. Are they long, rectangular, like yeah. pillars yeah. laid on their side? Yeah. Which yeah. you would think of from an engineering perspective, if you're going to put massively heavier stones on top, they would almost have to be. You couldn't have the, small the inconsistency into, of, the, exactly. of the sections would not give you the strength that you needed. Mm. So if that's the case, they're laying... Pillars, who knows how long? Yeah, like or they could be, and just the engineering. Well, the rocks, the rocks above, tell me that there's no reason they can't. Exactly, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, if you, <laughs> you yeah. look at the massive, the you know the the sort of medium size, small, medium to large, and just fucking massive stones that are above it, they're making long pillars as far because if, again, if you're putting X amount of tons on top of each other, mm. you need that. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Well, the the only other thing I'm thinking of in terms of like if you're thinking of putting matchsticks on their side and then placing those big big blocks on top, would you risk snapping them if there was... Well, the thing is though, we're talking about inconsistencies. Yeah. <laughs> They're pretty precise. Mm. You know, there's not you a lot of inconsistency. You can't put a piece of paper in between these stones. Yeah, exactly. So it's like there's not a lot of inconsistency. So you wouldn't need to worry about snapping those long uh, those long pillar-type blocks that mm. are laid on their side, if that's what they are. Mm. that would That's an interesting point that you raise. Like, are they small? But And what I gather from looking just at that mm. is that if you're correct in saying it's large stones on the bottom, then there's two rows of smaller stones and then larger stones put on top. That's like a shoring layer, mm. a settling layer. Yeah, that's right. Sort of thing, like a cushioning. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to get it at. It could also be like a like earthquake mitigation as that's, well. Yes, that, mm. and that's what I'm thinking mm. it could possibly be there for. Mm. Yeah, which if you're engineering things to that degree, mm-hmm. you're, possi- you're, you're probably mitigating for earthquakes. Mm. Mm. And and to me the 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 thing that I I didn't really pay much attention to till now is that step out, yeah. 
right? That in itself is impressive as well because yeah. it looks like it's consistent across the entire stone. If you look at that yeah. one there, that it's the same angle yep. across the entire stone. Yep. So that was done at the same no, at the same time, or it was done to an exact. Every stone was made at the same time, basically. Yeah. To the same angle. That's right. And not only that, but to the same measurement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's just interesting stuff. It, these, it's these smaller details. Now that we, we don't get overawed by the big details, mm. coming back and looking at the smaller details. Is that a dude? Go back. That one. Yeah, that, there's a, that's, a, that's a dude, yeah. So that puts it in perspective That puts for it in you. perspective, yeah. So there's a dude in the bottom left-hand corner. So, yeah, we're still talking the smaller stones there are, are, are two metres. 1.8, 1.5, 1.5 to 2. Yeah. You know, if he's yeah. somewhere like 5, five, five to, to 6 foot somewhere, yeah. he's he's still the height of one of those runs. Yeah. So they're not small they're stones. They're not small stones. They just look small against the 1,000 ton stones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, it's it's such a fascinating thing, and that now that this is this one, it goes around the corner, man. Yep. Even that, but that corner piece in the bottom, the guy's leaning up against it. Mm-hmm. That's a corner piece that slots in the corner on both top and bottom. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Right. So the level of masonry that that takes. Yeah, it's massive. Right. So so that then gives you an idea of how big that stone is, that corner piece. Yep. Because you've got. You got three edges there, mm-hmm. so you can then make a fourth edge. Yep. Um, however, still, man, they're massive. That perspective blows my mind, dude. Yeah. Sorry, that's Ooh. okay. It's okay. But this is the one. Here we go. Near the two thousand year old Temple of Jupiter in Baalbek, Lebanon, sits the largest known megalithic block discovered in twenty fourteen. That was an interesting thing that I didn't, I knew but I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Sixty-four foot by nineteen point six foot by eighteen foot. This stone weighs sixteen hundred and fifty tons. And that's a pregnant woman. That's the stone. Pregnant. Yeah. Yep. And does it have a floor in it? Does it have a crack or something? No, not that one. They just not didn't that move that one. They just this, didn't this move is, it. This is another one of those ones where it's like they, they were halfway through, because we're going to have a look at a couple more, where they were halfway through cutting blocks and they just left. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, that there could be one of those matchstick blocks that you're talking about. Could be. You know, it's, what, 19.6 feet by 18 feet? Mm, so twenty by sixty four so, so feet. So, so that's six meters by nineteen meters by five meters, six meters. Yeah, five and a bit meters. So yeah, six meters by five and a bit by eighteen. Yeah, nineteen. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Mm. Yeah, so that square bit on the end, it's larger than those ones we were looking at before, mm. Mm. but in a similar fashion, that could possibly be what that. Oh, they could have been uh, lining that up to cut it up, maybe something yeah. like that. Yeah, it's interesting, man. It's interesting. There's another. There's a different version of it. Yep. Um But this is what I wanted to look at there because there's actually three stones. Yeah, that's, that that's that one there. But then they dug around it, and there's three stones. That one's been cut as well. Mm-hmm. 
And I suppose, you know, it's a question we're going to talk about a little bit tonight. However, how the fuck did they cut it? Yeah. You know, the, how have they prepared at least two stones there? Yep. And it kind of looks like they started to move that one because it's on a bit of the angular, the angular dangles a bit off, right? Yeah, I see what you're saying. Compared to the cut mm. or the trench that's in the ground there. Yeah. That looks a fairly straight cut or trench or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. The other stone, it's, the other it's stone skew if, right? Is is on a yeah, it's on an angle, definitely. Mm. So they, I don't know, they either cut it in place or they started to move it, which is interesting. Yeah, you know, I am seeing a lot of stuff, uh, and I'm not too sure. Some of it's very interesting that that's all cast concrete type stuff. Yeah, yep. Been seeing yep. a lot of that recently. Uh, I don't discount all of it. Um, Look, the thing that makes me interested in that kind of thing is the way in which, sorry, the way in which um, concrete's made up, right? Yeah. If you think about our our common use of concrete these days, we use an aggregate with a cement powder mm. that um, is made up of ash and lime ash and, and lime stuff like that. Okay. So... Yeah, so if you think about um, like granite or feldspar or something like that, mm. it's also got a structure. Yes, it's not one uh, rock. It's it's yeah. a it's a complex. It's made up of crystalline yeah. uh, sections and stuff like that. It's just purely the makeup of of granite that allows me to think because well because it's a a volcanic rock, mm. you know, it's just cured, cured magma. Yeah, granite's very interesting. Granite, so, as as we're going to talk about, and as Muhammad sort of uh, alluded to, mm. granite can carry energy. It's a conductor. Yeah, because it's full. Of, well, it's full of crystals. It's full of crystals. It's full of quartz. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I don't think I didn't check the the type of stone that is at Balbeck. So that, that's there's another little dot point that I can um, make sure I put into the into the mix next time yeah so that's that's about it for Balbeck mate we, I just wanted to have a it was more the Balbeck stuff was less about the big stones and more about just getting a different perspective on the wall itself and on the temple itself mm-hmm. because again when you when you hyper focus you know what have we talked about so many times in here you got to be in an observant state so that's what I've tried to do I've tried to back off the crazy stuff. Well, or, sometimes know, it's hard to see the forest for the, the trees. Forest for the trees, exactly. Yeah, you, you know. know, you need to back back a little bit and have a look around. Mm. I agree. I see what you're doing. Because through that, I think if you're trying to build the jigsaw puzzle, you need to look at all the pieces. Yeah, yeah. You know, instead of hyper focusing on different different areas. I'm hearing you. Mm. So yeah, that's that's it, mate. So from there. We go back to another old friend, Egypt. Hello, friend. One thing that uh, Muhammad helped me understand yep. is the distance between Luxor and Cairo is actually quite a distance. Okay, Luxor's down the bottom, Cairo's yes, at the top. I see. Yep, 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 yep. I didn't understand that that's how far away that was. Right? It's actually quite a ways down the Nile. Yep. Okay. Obviously, you know, Thebes, Luxor, Giza, Cairo, 
Sakara. There's two main areas. But what Muhammad was saying is that, you know, if he, if something happens in Luxor, it may be, you know, a day, half a day, a day, two days before he actually finds out what's going on. Because he's in Cairo, he's isn't in he? He's in Cairo, yeah. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yes. Muhammad sits in his, where he sits, he looks left or right, I think it's left, and basically sees the Great Pyramids. Across the pyramids. Yeah. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah, and he sent us Great Pyramid energy. So Yeah. And much love to him for that. And what a cool guy. Oh, you know, very cool guy. You know, he's actually he's about to start a tour. However, when that tour was done, we got a couple of uh, we got a couple of dates booked. And looking at the Egypt stuff, it a lot of it has been it's some of the old stuff that we I wanted to just touch on that we haven't talked about in a little while. However, there's also some questions that obviously our association with Muhammad has, has raised, and we have a an expert on the ground with you know twenty plus years experience to be able to actually communicate that to us. So I thought, you know, I love that perspective. Yep. Because the second one looks tall is not the, that's not the Great Pyramid. No. From that perspective, the second pyramid looks huge. Yeah. It's actually the one in the background. It's the one in the background, yeah. That's a cool perspective that I hadn't quite seen before. Yeah. Now, one of the things I do definitely want to talk to Muhammad about is what's in the other two pyramids? Yeah. We don't hear about that. No. What's in the other two pyramids? What What is in that? In, you can see the entrances there. Yep. What's in the other two? That's one of the questions I want to ask him. With the casing stones... That was an interesting one as well that I wanted to touch on. Uh, it so the casing stones that they've found, just so we un, so everybody understands. And Muhammad goes into great detail into in uh, I think it's Egypt too. However, not only were they interlocking, but they were built on an angle, so each one's locks into each other. But some of these cornerstones they've found yeah. are four metres. So it's not like, you know, when we spoke about it originally, we thought, oh, they just would have been stones to match the thing and make give it a nice shiny surface. Yeah. No. The, the, and the other thing is, too, is some of them were half limestone, half granite. They weren't all the same material. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, and right. And different types of granite as well. Yep. And the fact that uh, Muhammad said, no, there's actually a lot of churches and mosques and bits and pieces in Cairo that have been that the casing stones were used to build. So yep. you know how we assume there wasn't much there? Yes. He goes, No, 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 that's not true. There's a lot here yep. that you can point to. This is where the Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. the stones are same between the different buildings oh. and that's what yeah. Oh, I get you. Yeah. So because I said, oh, it was the, the story's an earthquake. He's like, yeah, that is the story. However, if you think about each stone, you, you're building the pyramid, right? And as you go up, each stone actually goes down on an angle and interlocks into the next one. So that means the higher you go, the more downward pressure is created, the stronger it gets. An earthquake's not going to fucking shake that loose. That's what he was basically saying. He's True, like, yeah. I'm not sure. He goes, "Some it is more than an earthquake. 
that yep. shook those casing stones loose because the amount of what would have to happen in order to shake one of them because the one on the bottom so that the, the story is one down low mm. got shook out yeah and that was like the the you know the, the keystone everything else got pulled out yeah but he's saying the downward pressure on the ones on the bottom row from all the ones from all the ones on stacked on yes. top yeah and he goes then you look at the second pyramid it's like well why is only the top left like, yeah that's a hell of a shake yep yep you know like it, it's Again, these stories that we just accept as gospel, mm-hmm. uh, they don't make a lot of sense when you talk to someone on the ground yeah. who's looked at it all the time from that perspective. Yeah, exactly. I'm I'm thinking I'm thinking using that information, I'm thinking um, multiple faults, fractures in the stone itself. So instead of sh- Instead of shaking a whole stone loose, it's like um, a multiple, just like a heap cracked and a couple. Yeah, fell off the fault lines, and that that creates then a weakness where it's where you can come in and work and chip away at it, sort of thing. Yeah, just gives you a line to work on, um, and it may have been halfway up. Who, what's to say that fault line was at the bottom? It, you know, but it's also what what uh, I think basically what he was saying is. What kind of event? Yeah, to shake that kind of interlock stone loose. Definitely, what happened? Yeah, hundred percent. And then, and then basically, he he didn't say it, but loosely said like, we only know of a couple of different major cataclysms that might have caused that. Yeah, you know, was it water? There's that as well. You know, there's these that the that it was all full of water at some point. Yeah, yeah. You know? So, no, like like you say, as, and as, as we all know, that. That pyramidal structure is quite possibly the it, it is the strongest um, shape, geometric shape, absolutely, yeah, to withstand yeah. all of these destructive forces. Yeah, so yeah, like you say, everything is engineered for it to last, stand the test of time, mm. and something big enough happened that it was able to crack the the outside veneer. Mm. Yeah, mm. so. Yeah, interesting. Some, something defeated the external layer. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I, I approached Muhammad about one of our UTC theories. Yes, how we said that the you know, with the casing stones in place, that the eight-sided nature of the Great Pyramid would then be more pronounced, and it would send energy. It would reflect energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Could it be? Could it be like concave? Yeah. Yep. Right. And focus. And, the, and yep. he and just. Between you and me, because we came up with that theory in this room a couple of years ago now, he agreed with us. So that was pretty cool. Yep. He's there like, you that, go. that's actually a very good perspective. He was impressed that we had that perspective. Have I said to him, then the then where is the where's the top? Where's the top of the pyramid? Yeah. Yeah. Right? What was what was Muhammad's answer to that? He doesn't think there was one. Ah. Because in multiple temples Right, so say there's a pyramid shape behind uh, a god or something, mm-hmm. it never goes to the point. It always clips off the top. Oh, really? Right. Yeah. And the you know the the, the top of the pyramid. What's that bloody called? It slipped my mind. The the pyramidian. The pyramidian. The um. The top stone. Yeah. It. That is. There's only one story that said there was a top stone. Yeah. Yeah. 
what if it was interchangeable? You know what I mean? Well, he seems to think that in order to, like, if you think about a receiver and a sender, a point is too focal, right? Yep. So the top of each pyramid, it's flat on the top Mm -hmm. because it's a sender and a receiver. So it actually gives it a, a, a... a platform to send and receive energy. That was his description. That was his idea. Yeah. Yeah. I'm all about it. You know, like you said, it's it's all standing on pillars of sand mm. in terms of theories. Mm-hmm. So all it takes is some evidence to lean things in one way, in one direction or the next. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's all about, look, I'm all about it. Mm. It's interesting. It's interesting, you know. And look, you know, this is a guy that's looked at this stuff every day. So, I'll take yeah, he, I'll, yeah, I'll yeah, take yeah. him. I'll take him him over us any day. Hundred percent. And I just thought it's just because of the scale. Just wanted to have a look at the scale, just quickly. It's an impressive shot. It's so impressive, so impressive. This is one of the first maps that was made of the inside the Great Pyramid. Mm-hmm. However, this one. That, that's one we've all seen. But this is something we haven't heard about in a little while. The voids. The voids. Yeah. Right? That was a few years ago now that the voids were discovered. Has anything more come out about the voids? No. No. Not yet. They're not letting any more stuff be done. No, they're not letting us uh, letting us know. Or I think, you know, it's, it's Mr. Hawass again, um, restricting some of the knowledge. Yeah. Um. Yeah, because he went into the Sphinx chambers without a camera. Did you know that? No, I didn't. He was first in there without a camera. Yep. So he saw what was in there before a camera saw what was in there. Yep. So if there was anything in there, it's now not there. Like that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but yeah. just, it's just just wanted to bring the voids back up again. Just wanted to put them back into the lexicon. Yeah. You know, get get the listeners to search the searches for the voids. Well, not not only the voids, but the the stacked stones on top of the king's chamber, uh-huh. which give off energy. I think they're something along the lines of seventy tons each. Yeah. Well, they're, 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 well, that the and grand gallery, they're, they're all lintels. That there's like five or six of them. Yeah. Yeah. And there's then ma- they're all massive stacked stones on top of each other, on top of the the king's chamber, as well. Those yeah. lintels. Yeah. So yeah, I just wanted to bring just wanted to bring that back into the lexicon. Because we haven't heard any more about it. There's mm. nothing more to be said about it. However, don't forget that there was massive a small void and a massive void found. And let's just think for a second. Do we do we honestly believe those voids are there by mistake? Nothing is there by mistake. Nothing in that whole thing is there by mistake. So it's like yeah. They are, they are there for a reason. We need to know what they are. Mm. One question I have for Muhammad, yep. and it's a question we posed way back in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Why haven't we removed all the stones around the big door? Yeah. Like, in fact, remember we found back in the day, there was evidence of them stacking stone, restacking stuff in front of it. Yeah, because wasn't there a, like, image of it being more exposed yes and then now it's not yeah 
because if there was a big giant door into the pyramid, I'd say that's where it is. Mm. Isn't that where you want to go in from? Yeah. Yeah. Why haven't we taken all the stones away from there? Here's a question. When the pyramid was originally constructed, was that door once an open doorway, an entrance? Absolutely. I would say so, yeah. And then just like Gebekli Tepe. Yeah, you you we were on the we're in, we're it's in the, been covered up yes. to preserve. That's exactly where like, I was gonna go. We're going we're going away from we're going this away for now. a while. We need we've to got to protect this. Yeah. So we're gonna stack it up so no one can stack it up, in. seal it up. Seal it up with these slotted stones that are all stacked on top of each other. Yeah. You know. That only you know how to pull them apart. Yeah. And that's the exact question that I had. And yeah. so that, that I don't have an answer to that, but that is one of the questions I'm going to pose to Muhammad as to why we haven't removed all the stones around the big giant door. Yep. And, you know, what's the story behind that? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And there it is. The king's sarcophagus. Apparently. Apparently. And now, the reason that one's up there... Mm-hmm is because completely separate, obviously one of the other UTC theories that I came up with was that the Ark of the Covenant fits inside the King's Chamber. There's a guy that I'm following on Facebook. He had something about it on his page. He's written like five or six books. He's one of the guys that I'm in negotiations with. Okay. Um, So he might come on the podcast. He's down the Gold Coast. So hopefully he can come on and give his version. But he 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 had the Holy Grail... Yep. Oh, sorry. The um, the Ark of ah, Carbon yeah. and the King's Chamber basically crisscrossed over each other in one of his graphics, and I'm mm-hmm. like, hmm, we need to talk. Yes, let's talk more about that theory. Mm. And just that picture alone. And I want. I I don't know this one on the left there. Does that stone curve under, or is that is it a, is it a trickery of the light? Where are you talking about? Left hand side there. Left-hand side, I'm looking. Basically, the first one that you see on the wall that meets the ground underneath the light. It Ah, looks to me like like it is one piece, but it it might not be. Yeah. It's hard to tell. It's hard to tell it. Yeah, that line, that seam where the wall meets the floor is quite... It's a bit fuzzy, you know? And the only... The reason I think it... It, it um, could be trickier the light. It, it looks like it does fold in, is because the seams on the floor are so mm. so defined, mm. and the seams on the wall, and yet then the seam between the wall and the floor isn't as defined. No, yeah, it could be trickery, but I just wanted you to cast your eye to the roof of the king's chamber. Yeah, and look at those giant. Well, that's stones. that's those seventy ton suckers. Yeah, that are stacked, and then there's layers on top of that yeah. roof. Yeah. Of more of the same uh-huh. stacked up there, yeah, and you know. just you know, and needs to be understood that that's all rose granite, yeah, which is one of the hardest granites there is out of Aswan, yeah, yeah. So Muhammad, because he's the man, yeah, you actually made his floor in his home is rose granite from Aswan. Of course, it is. And what he was telling me, he's fucking, like... Fucking baller. Yeah, he's, like, he's <laughs> such a cool guy. However, he was telling me that... Here comes the rain. He was telling me that 
to put like see how big those stones are on the floor there. He couldn't have those that size stone. Yep. In I think it was about five or six years ago. You were saying. Yeah. They couldn't. They couldn't cut them that large because it would break. Break. Yeah. Yeah. So. There's just unequivocal evidence that we can't actually replicate that today because he tried. Yeah, right? exactly, exactly. Well, I, I dare say what the Egyptians or the original builders the builder have, culture, have yeah. done is there's a there's a ratio. Mm. So if you want to go that large in in a floor you tile, you got to go that thick. Yeah, 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 yeah. So how thick they are, I'm sure we know, but I don't know. What, no, I don't know off the top of my and, head. And and. In our modern world, we're trying to cut those tiles fairly thin. Yeah. Yeah. We're cutting them like 20 mil Yeah, sort of thing. So, yeah, to be able to cut it that thin and have it that large, mm, mm. we can't do it. And we've got to do it that way because we can't transport it. No. No. We can't carry them into and that, a house. that's what he said. He's basically, well, they couldn't actually get it. I think he's on the second floor or third floor of his yeah. building. He's like, A, they couldn't cut it and transport it because it wouldn't last on the back of a truck. Mm. And then the second problem was how do I actually get it into yeah. the house? And how's the house built? Yeah. Can it support? Can it support it, massive? If you're starting yeah. to go thicker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 How can much it, weight can you put on the on the floor, right? <laughs> exactly. But I just thought we'd bring the King's Chamber back into, into play because of the Ark of the Covenant. And I am going to get in touch with that guy and continue negotiations so he can come and give his side as well. Delve away, my friend. Delve, delve. But this is where I wanted to take you because this is what has been blowing my mind. And I I had heard of the unfinished obelisk. I knew it was huge, all these things. However, I didn't quite understand that it is pretty much unequivocal evidence of advanced technology. So it's 42 metres long or 138 feet, mm-hmm. and comes in at 1,168 tonnes. Yeah. So how are you moving that? How are you moving How that? are you guys moving that, you bastards? And me and, uh, it was actually, you know, said, Muhammad's such a cool guy, so appreciative that he takes the time to come on here and, and talk to us. Yeah. However, it... <laughs> There's only one picture, one hieroglyph of yep. obelisks in a boat. Yep. And supposedly it's two of them. And they're either 300 ton or 700 ton. Yep. And there's two of them in yep. a boat. Right? And basically he goes, oh, they in the thing, they said, oh, they just got some wood and they just... just, just they just rolled them just, in yeah, and yeah, just basically, with some sticks and stuff yeah, and sticks jimmied and stuff them along. And jimmied them along and, and then just put them on a boat and floated them down the river. 1,400 tons. That's how you do it. Yeah. yeah. It's easy. Easy. When, <laughs> it's easy when you just think of it like that. Exactly, right? And But I don't want to get into logistics because there's some really cool stuff to look at because it's unequivocal, to me, unequivocal evidence of advanced technology being used because this one's not finished, right? Yeah. So there's a better picture. Can you spot anything there that you might want to think about? Uh, what? So, what are we talking about? The crack down through the middle of it? Well, this is that they. One of the reasons they say they didn't lift it is because it was imperfect, and right? That's because they had a crack. Yep. Right, and that 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 straight line is evidence them trying to fix it or something. Okay. But I want you to have a, what is? Look at those marks there. Those scoop marks. Mm. 
Yes. That's what I'm talking about. Yep. Yeah, they're very scoopy. No chisel is going to make that mark. No. No, that's a that's quite a large chisel mm. if that's making that mark. Mm-hmm. Um the other the other thing I was thinking about is the way in which they've just cut trenches down into the bedrock. So the bedrock's still up yes. around this pillar. Well that that was the other thing Mohammed was saying is like, how did they get it out? That's that's what I was alluding to. The fact that, okay, you cut it, you cut down, and you never find that fracture, and it, it's a perfect piece of granite with no hairline cracks in it or anything like that. Mm. Are you are you now going to just lift that vertically up out of that hole, or are you going to, once you've cut it, now take the time to remove all of this bedrock next to it? So you can lift it. So as you can roll it mm. out, mm-hmm. like because to me and you're rolling you, it how left. Do you, how do you roll twelve hundred tons? Stone? Hey, hey, hey! That's <laughs> that's a detail for someone else, man. I'm <laughs> one step at a time, bro. You know, like are you are you winching that to stand it on its end? That's an interesting question. Like stand it up. What what's? Tell me, builders, what's the next step? So the question then is, how do they cut underneath it? And Muhammad tried to explain it into detail. Yes. And it made me very, very, very curious. Yes. So I went looking. So there's just a couple more pictures of those scoop marks. Mm-hmm. There's the scoop marks very, at the point. Very imperfect tip on that obelisk. It feels like, and I'm trying to, it's like a, um, you know, people have said like ice cream scoop. Yeah. You know, like it's... it's Yeah, definitely. It's interesting. It, like, looks, it, what, it almost looks like, imagine if that rock was sand mm. those scoop marks you could imagine them being you know if that rock was softer softer exactly yeah all right exactly yep. now i'm pretty sure they say this is the dolmens i think this is the balls so they, they bang the balls and it, it eventually does something yep. magical whatever but yep. obviously i'm not magical into... magical balls but there's an there's a look at that yep it's and it you can almost see that they're doing test test pieces or you know like that's they got down to the point you know look at the edge there it's like they're carving it you know what mm. i mean it's like it's it's almost it, what it sort of looks like to me i've seen it you know a, a good dozer operator will get the bucket and he'll go down the wall you know what i mean oh yeah 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 excavator operator excavator so yeah, yeah. yeah when you're like cutting uh like a battering battering and benching yeah like on a that's what it looks like but yeah. they're doing it in yeah, well, it, you know, it makes me think of the um, the sonic drilling that um, that I saw the other saw a podcast on the other day. Yeah. you know, it makes you think of that in a larger scale mm-hmm. sort of thing. Well, that was the that was the... like if you look at all the all of the scoop marks, they're they're a very consistent size. Mm-hmm. So if you had a th- had a, it's a tool had a thing mm. that you place mm-hmm. and then you m- pick it up and you move it and you mm-hmm. pick it up and move it mm-hmm. and it's just very rhythmic but the the trippier photos are to come yeah because i said to muhammad how do they cut the inside yep he said they scoop underneath it mm-hmm. i'm like i need to see pictures of this yep look at that that again lends to what you're saying. It's like a sonic tool. It's like they've gone. Yep. 
you know, like that's the only, there's no chisel, magical chisel in the world Mm. that is going to do that. Well, and the chisel is the wrong size for something that's handheld. Yeah, and and, and what and how? I mean, it's hard to sort of get a um, how wide they are. Like, there's no there's no person sort of standing. No, there there's no person. But if you reference it just off the pure size of the of the stone of the stone, mm. they're large. Mm. And if you think about like if you're chiseling with um, a, a hammer and chisel. Mm-hmm. Well, you have to be able to hold those instruments in your hands and, and and swing them and swing them. Yeah. So, you're not going to have a tool that makes a mark that large. Inside each one of those scoop marks, mm-hmm. there's going to be the smaller marks of the actual chisel tool. And it's one motion. If you look at that picture there, it's one motion. How they've yep. gone down and it's a they've straight dug line, it out. straight down the side of, dug of it the out. pillar. They've yeah. dug it out. Right. How? But that is the interesting one there. They obviously start... That's the... I'm pretty sure that's the, the point. That's the point by the looks of it, yeah. Right? So they've actually started to refine the point. Yep. So now they're using the tool to go like that. Yeah. Now they're going in underneath. Right? Yep. I mean, how can you explain that? It's very, very, very... I can't... It, it's got it's some sort of thing that changes the matter of the stone and makes yeah. it... Yeah. Be able to dig through granite like butter. Yep. That's the only way. Like, look at that. You know? And again, that's rose granite. You can see that there. Mm. So again, that's rose granite. That's one of the hardest stones on the planet. Yep. It's up there. And the way way in which the, the the shape, like like we said about a scooping, Mm. a scooping... Um, shape to those because all of this has been buried so it's not as I'm getting at the fact that the edges aren't as angular as fractured stone would be definitely not There's, it's smooth it's smooth it's, it's round it's, it's like it's yeah it's, it's the edges scooped. are round off yeah. rounded off yeah. which lends me to move towards um, some kind of flow either from air yeah air, sonic or Air, sound, like, vibration, like, something like If you that. think about sand blasting, right? Sand yeah. blasting will smooth over edges. Mm-hmm. Water will do the same thing, mm-hmm. smooths over edges. Vibration. Because because the um, the actual cutting is like imperfect, so you don't get those sharp edges, which yeah. is like there. All of the edges have rounded over. Yeah. Mm. It's... it's- like you said, it's it's very interesting. It it twists your mind, doesn't it? It, it does. twists your mind most definitely. Yeah, you know, and I and I I don't again. I don't know, but to me, like, there's no tool that we have now that could do that. No, to rose granite. No, or maybe we do, but it's just in the hands of jewelers. Yeah, on a very small scale. Yeah, on a very small scale, like that sonic <laughs> drilling. Right, that was a Serpent Brothers episode. So it was. have a look at that one. But look, that's I just wanted to touch on a few little things in Egypt and more to the point there's plenty of avenues of discussion uh, obviously exploring the connection with Australia is, is, in the, is in the top of the list there however there's so many other questions that need to be asked and we're privileged to have a bloke like Muhammad give us a perspective dude that. that was a leg up and a half mm. you know Muhammad's 
just amazing. Mm. To finish, mate, we come home to a land down under. And as you know, the discoveries that have happened over the last couple of years here through the podcast and through some of our associates of the podcast are a bit mind-blowing. And they're beginning to put together a larger picture. But what I'd like to do tonight is I'd like to share in detail what we found up at Gympie. Yep. Which it wasn't a lot. However, probably the best piece is this here, which I dubbed the preparation stone. Why I called it the preparation stone is that there's supposedly a mix of plants and uh, the prickly pear, which is all over the Gimby Pyramid, is one of the plants, and there's another two. You mix them together, and it creates an acid that melts stone. Right. Okay. And the reason I call this one the preparation stone is it looks like that's what they've done here. Okay. You can see there that they have prepared something on the end of this stone. Mm-hmm. And you can actually see where it's worn away in rings. Yeah. Whatever that is. Yep. Okay. And then you can see the top right there. They've sharpened something. There's two pull marks there. There's one horizontally and there's one vertically. Yep. Looks like they've sharpened a tool or they've done something. They've sharpened something or they've, they've dragged something through a groove there. Yep. And then in the corner, they've had a test cut. And, yep. you, and, because, and you can see it's a test cut because it goes longer than it goes wider. Yep. Right? You can see how it's cut out there. Mm-hmm. That, to me, was unequivocal evidence of that that type of cutting or that, that type of method, which is well known. Uh, it's, it's an interesting concept. I don't know what the... There's obviously there's the, the, the prickly pear and then there's two others... And I don't know what they are because if I did know, we'd be we'd cutting, be cutting stone. We'd be cutting stone in the backyard. <laughs> However, that to me was one of the more interesting finds that we found up in Gimpy, and does lend to the fact that potentially they were cutting stone on the site there. Yep. Okay. That was another interesting piece there. It's basically just a cutout. And you can, that's a bit more, I dug it out. Mm, looks quite symmetrical. It's quite symmetrical and it looks like it has been cut. Yep. Okay, again, the, the the vertical line goes deeper than the horizontal line does. So like they brought it down and then almost like a, a saw cut for want of a better description. Yep. However, again, that to me was evidence of cutting. This one too. I mean, this one was, it is very uh, regular shaped. Well, when you look at that, you know that t- straight away it takes me over to the to the church. Yeah, in Gimby, exactly. the yep. wall that's stacked over there. You know the way in which the edges are all cut f- very precisely. Yeah, except the polygonal masonry over there, it would be more intricate. Mm. Like what would be what would have been amazing was if that stone had multiple edges on it. Yeah, you know, like a T stone or a you know if it had a had a right angle in it or well, something think, like that. I think, again, in a lot of these sites, we find the stuff that's unfinished. Yeah. Because if it was finished, it'd be in the wall. It's in the wall. It's yeah. used, yeah. 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 I want to debunk something with you. Yep. Now, 
this is the photo that is bandied about over and over and over again, mm-hmm. that that is the top of the Gympie Pyramid. Mm-hmm. Look in the background. There is no mountain range behind the summit of the Gympie Pyramid. Mm. It's not the Gympie Pyramid. Yeah, I don't know. I, look, it's very hard to work out what any of that is in the background there. It's trees. It's, this is an old photo, right? Apparently, this is a photo from the late 1800s. Okay. But that is trees in the background. Yeah. Okay? That is a range in the background. Yeah. We've both stood at the summit mm. of the Gimby Pyramid. You do not see a range of trees. No, not like that off in the distance. No, you don't at no. all. So I'm saying, and this is pretty exclusive... That the photo that is supposedly the, the summit of the Gimpy Pyramid is not. Because there is no... that That's trees in the background. There is no... You stand at the top of that hill, <coughs> there is no trees. Yep. So th- that photo's not right. Okay. So yeah, that that's very possibly some other location. It's some other location. I don't know where it is. Mm. However, it's not Gimpy. Yep. Yep. That's a cool photo. That's an old aerial photo. Yeah. And that's probably how I, you know, you can see that it looks like a pyramid. Yep. You know what I mean? Like there's no there's no houses or anything there. there. Yeah, and it's standing out by itself. Yeah. Yep. So looking at that, looks a lot more like a pyramid with that old aerial shot. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now there is trees in the background there, but they don't go up like that. No. See that ridge along the back there? Yeah. That's not. That's not that. No. So, yeah, I'm saying that the the summit photo is not actually the summit photo. Yep. There it is there. Now, the reason I'd put this one in is that that we've seen that wall stacking already tonight, haven't we? Mm -hmm. That stone stacking. Yeah. Saw another echo of it in the Bosnian Pyramid as well. Yep. So... You know, I mean, obviously, that's a fairly well-known, easy way to stack stone. However, the walls look very similar at Gobekli Tepe. They look very similar at in uh, at the uh, Bosnian Pyramid, and they look very similar here. Yeah. Okay. But there's the money shot. That's Actually, the that, one. That's the money. That's shot. the money. Right okay. there. Yep. Now. Where obviously we we talked at length about um, South American influences, however, at the same time, I'm seeing some very interesting stuff out of Easter Island now. I'd, because Easter Island is Easter Island, it deserves its own section. Yeah. So I didn't want to divert to Easter Island from here. Yeah. But in one of the next presentations that I'll do, we'll bring up Easter Island. We'll bring Easter Island into play because it's important. However, the masonry. And more, the stuff in Easter Island is more from a size perspective. Mm-hmm. It's very similar. The stones are very similar in size as they are to the site at Kimpy. Yes, yes, yeah. That it's that site's not megalithic by any standard, but it's it's precise. Yes, it's very precise. Yeah, you know. And again, I, I will mention that that photo there. I posted that on Instagram, and I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure it's the highest likes I've ever got. And I put, "Where is this?" Yeah. And no one believed it was Gimpy. That's right. Well, no one would have even known to think of Gimpy. When I showed Jock Doubleday yep. these pictures, he was flabbergasted. Oh, really? Yeah. 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 There you go. Because when we see that, 
we know that there was there was only one civilization that did that. Well, Egypt did a little bit, but not to the extent that South America did. No, that's right. Yeah. But the civilization's the global one. Yeah, the, is what the, I'm the builder at. culture. The builder culture. Yeah, is definitely what did that. Yeah. And look, I just wanted there was a couple other because that's the other money shot there, the one that's on the angle that goes around. Um, yeah, the bottom on the corner there. Yeah. Uh, the other interesting thing about the deve- other development with this wall is that apparently Colin Hayter uh, went and did, because he's a builder by trade, Yeah, he approached the Gympie Council as a builder and wanted to do an investigation into the historical building mm-hmm. of Gympie. Yeah. And basically was looking for that. And he says, and I haven't seen his evidence yet, however, he says that the wall didn't come from the site, it came from two other sites that weren't the Gympie Pyramid site. Which, right. is, which is interesting because we've had trouble placing that wall yeah. at the site. Yeah, yeah. So that's a development there. I'm, I'll, I'll update everyone once I get more information. But just wanted to show a few of those. I mean, you know, like that one there, it's got one, two, three, four, five different sides. You know, it's supporting... The, each one of those blocks has got multiple sides and it's got multiple angles. Like it's mm-hmm. it's very impressive stuff. That one in the middle there is pretty cool. You know, like you, you just don't do that. No, no one does that. No. It's fascinating. But that's about it for Gimpy because we've, we've obviously gone at length about that. But that that's a few of the things that I found... Well, that just ties Gimpy into the global culture. It does, yeah. Is what it does. Yeah. It it adds. It says, "Hey, we've got some stuff too." Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. and it's and it's interesting to look at. You know, it's it. It makes you think. What what more is there that we don't mm. know of? And look, I am going to dig into the megalithic walls on Easter Island, and maybe do because we've got so many photos of the wall at Gimpy. Do some comparisons. I did start to do that, and I thought, well, we're going to go, we're going to go too long. Like it's going to be a bit of a rabbit hole. Yeah. Um. So that's not for tonight. However, look forward to a bit of analysis on that in the near future. Beautiful. I want to go a little bit left of center now to Australite tectite. Now, that, as we understand, is not Australite tectite. However, that is the stones that the Strong Boys have. Yep. Okay. Now, why do I say that's Australite tectite? I say it because of that, because of the one on the left there. Mm-hmm. That is the one on the left there. Yep. Okay. Now, if we are to entertain, well, we we, we can, NASA documents tell us that there was a, a, a great body in low Earth orbit 780,000 years ago that slowly crashed into the planet. Right. Okay. And the tectite is all these buttons, right? That's, the, that's a classic Australite tectite button, right? Mm-hmm. One on the top and two different on the bottom there, but if it's a massive body that was in low Earth or low Earth orbit, it all wouldn't have been tiny pieces, right? Okay. Now where I go a little bit woo woo with it is if we're saying if we're buying into that alternate origin theory where they were beings from another planet mm-hmm. that used uh, genetically modified us, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, they that they used, you know, and understanding now that they think the best version of, you know, material to build artificial intelligence is actually using silica. Yep. Okay. 
that's the basis of a lot of microchips. It's you know the, the silica. Yeah. You know that that's is what this is. Okay, it's high in silica. Mm-hmm. All right. Remember, I, I had a very trippy experience with those stones when I mm. sat in the stone circle. They spoke to me. It was a very, very trippy experience. Okay? I remember you telling me the story. You know, however, maybe they imbued the consciousness into the Australite tectite. Yeah. I Consciousness, information. Exactly. What, yeah. We're storing information on silica now. Yeah. Yep. So who's to say that if they came from a star system far, far away, they didn't have that ability at the end hmm. to push their energy, information, whatever you want to call it. Data. Data yeah, yeah. into the stone. Yeah. I'm hearing you. In some kind of solid state memory. Something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and that's only based on the experience that I had because it was very trippy. Like those stones spoke to me. Mm-hmm. And I can't explain it any other way. Yeah. And when I when I was looking at this Australite tectite, and I found there's more pieces like that that have that yellowy blue colouring. They're not all this, mm-hmm. right? And then I thought, hang on a minute, they're not all going to be tiny pieces. There's going to be some giant pieces of Australite tectite. Surely, you right? would think. You would think. Yeah. It's not all going to be tiny pieces, right? No. And that's sort of where it led me down to that. Yep. And just more, just where that tectite boundary is. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's majority of Australia into Japan and into that, that, that's north and South Korea there. Yeah, yep. Right, that's where a lot of it is found, and it's just it's just that 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 story nags at me. Yeah, it nags at me, mm-hmm. and I and I will continue. You know. What tonight is too is probably a good representation of how many different various rabbit holes that I'm down at once, and it's just about but just just the rabbit holes that are out there. Yeah, to be gone down. That's, Remember, that's the thing. There's the, so many people doing the same thing everywhere. Yeah. In term and the connectivity of the internet allows us to to delve into each one of them simultaneously, and it just. Op- that that's why the opening of the perspective is what's important. Yeah, yeah, because it could be it could be anything or it could be everything. It's you need to understand and be open. Yeah, and the the bottom line is with this alternative origin story mm-hmm. is there's more physical evidence for this happening than there is that Jesus was around. Yep, that's the reality, right? Yeah, exactly. That's right. <laughs> so, and it, it just nags at me. It mm-hmm. just nags at me. From there, we head to, and obviously kudos to fellow Coda and multiple guest, Mr. Patterson, the Lightning Place or Australia Stonehenge. Yep. Okay. And this is more about a larger piece of work that I'm doing in the background. Uh, We will be conducting a multiple-day field trip in the coming months, in probably in the next couple of months. Basically, the rough plan... I'm putting it together logistically, but the rough plan is to go down to Gosford, uh, to the Hawkesbury River. So there's there's a there's a, there's probably three or four sites there that we need to see, and then we're going to spend a couple of days coming back, basically. Yep. Stopping at um, Kyagra, I think National Park, and a few other little places along the way. Basically, looking for standing stones. Yep. Okay. 
um, obviously there's nothing left at Lightning Place. Hmm. There's nothing left there now. It's, it was bulldozed. It's and it been was dozed. Done, it was yeah. dozed pretty well. But what it is is it, it is a, it is definitely a, an important piece of the puzzle without a shadow of a doubt. But what we can do, it's sort of, you know, and speaking to Richard, it's it's a bit like the hero's journey, right? Okay, we know this existed, mm-hmm. but it would have been part of a pilgrimage. Yep. Okay? And that pilgrimage, a lot of that is still actually National Park. Mm-hmm. So there is potential, and apparently talking to a couple of other guys, there is still standing stones in the wild. Yeah. Right? Potentially, ladies and gentlemen, we may be doing a podcast in the middle of an ancient stone circle, which would be very cool. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, part of that, I will, I will be packing the gear up for portability and we will be recording while we're down there. Yeah. However, it's, 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 a, it's a hero's journey. We'd love to have Lightning Place around. The reality is it's not. However, there's many other places around it, right? There's the other picture of that. It's very cool what Richard does. I, I I take my hat off to him as far as his ability to recreate it and his ability to use computer programs to do that. It's very cool. Mm. But when we say standing stones, what standing stones? Well, those standing stones. There's three big ones within five k's of Mullumbimby. Yep. Interestingly, that one looks like it has got some carvings on it. Nothing concrete. Excuse me. Same as the one on the right. If you actually look, there looks like some deliberate carvings into that too. I would like to get a closer look at both of those and just see what we can see. Yeah. And is there anything to see, I suppose, is the question as well. Mm-hmm. There's some more, right? The bottom right one being the mock hinge, the mock stone hinge. I was going to say, what, what the hell is that? <laughs> well, that's a pictorial representation. Yep. Actually, I like the top left one as well because you can see two stones in the background. Yeah. So there, yep. there is stones in an arrangement. Mm-hmm. That roundabout is the roundabout entering Mullumbimby, just for the record. Yeah, I think I've been around that. You would have been around there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that that's a that's actually the representation. We've said it a few times on the podcast, but that's mm-hmm. the one where the, the guy built a Stonehenge on his property and Richard went to talk to him, asked him why he built a Stonehenge and he thought it was a good idea. He just said, oh, I don't know. I thought it was a really good idea. And then Richard said, where'd you get the stones from? He goes, oh, no, they were already here. Yeah, right. So he's probably built a Stonehenge out of stones. That out of were a stones Stonehenge. for a Stonehenge. Yeah. So there the stones go. wanted to be back in a circle, basically. Yeah. There's another couple. And there's another one there. That's a bloke by the name of Robbie. He might meet us down there. And he, he seems to know where some stones are. We're yep. going to do a bit more conversation with him. He's a sand healing guy. He's going to come on the podcast as well talk to us about sand healing. Because I think that's a... An untapped thing, and there's a lot, and the sand healing stuff echoes back to Egypt as well. There's a mm-hmm. lot of rooms with frequency and stuff. Yep. Um, so that's that's an interesting concept that I want to explore. However, yeah, that that one. Look at the size of that pillar. That's a good size pillar. That's a good size pillar. You know, and that is that's see some of these going to be though, close to four meters yeah, tall. Some of these though, uh, there's a and how deep does it go in? Yeah, the earth? I don't know. There's there's base. There's a place in there. It's like a coffee house and a property and stuff. It might be might be where the mock stone hinge is. Mm-hmm. And this guy's found a heap of stones in his property and stood them up. So that one there may not be in the wild. Yeah. Okay. That one may have been deliberately put up. Yeah. In the you know in the recent past. Yeah. However, there's there's tell of uh, stone circles and bunches of stones in the Kyogre National Park. Yeah. Which we're going to go and try and find. I like this one because it's an old picture. Mm. 
Okay, it's a very old photo, um, early 1900s or so. And there's another standing stone. You know, it's it, it. I suppose what I'm trying to highlight here through pictures and through better understanding for everybody is that the reason that I'm probably by my primary investigation at the moment is Australia is because there's something here mm-hmm. that we need to discover yeah. and we need to try and join the dots of. And it could potentially be the missing link, right? If we can prove, well, we, in the next part, we're going to prove that the Egyptians came here. That means the Egyptians circumnavigated the world. If we can prove that whoever the builder culture was went through Easter Island and then came and went to Gympie, mm-hmm. that means there was a global civilization, yeah, a seafaring circumnavigating civilization and the other big question with the australia stuff is why was australia left off all the maps for such a long time Mm. it was almost like it was deliberately left off the maps there's another guy that i'm talking to who's got some very interesting theories about that um that's not for tonight i'm gonna i'm i'm coaching him to come on and tell us about it um it's to do with gold yeah which would make sense um, you know, there's a there's a theory that you know one of his theories is that they used the gold from Australia to build the Egyptian Empire. All right, and then we had Collins say that Egypt is a reflection of Bambara. This this connection with Egypt is, I think, is one of the is 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 the linchpin. Okay, it, this is if we can prove why they were here or at least present multiple perspectives on why they were here yeah i was going to say increase Mm. the bandwidth you know we need Mm. to fill out find more things because everyone goes oh but we've known about the fact that there's boomerangs in egypt for ages and it's like really i've been into megaliths hardcore for the last you know however many years and i've only just stumbled upon it if everybody knew it'd be better understood Mm. so we need more points of data to build a bigger picture. Yeah. And then we can actually seriously have a look at the who, what, when, where, why's. You know, and and just think about the consequences of that, right? The consequences of the Egyptians came here, mm-hmm. you know, according to the glyphs, 500 BC or so. Yeah. Before we get to the glyphs, though, this is actually the first time anyone's seen this. This is a UTC discovery. This is what you found. Yeah. Well, Martin. Te- technically, and I will give kudos to Martin, Martin walked over and went, oh, what's this? You might like this, Triff. Uh, and then I proceeded to freak out. Yeah. Okay. This is the imprint. The imprint that is uh, in the Glasshouse Mountains. Yeah. Now, one of the things I do want to do is go back there, but what I want to do is I want to go up and down both sides of that creek. Yeah. Yep. Like, I want to walk a K in either direction from that imprint or a couple, you know, you know, yeah, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. just see if there's anything else. Like I've been a little way down. I've probably gone three, 400 metres one way. I haven't mm-hmm. been too much the other way because it goes under the road. I haven't been on the other side of the road. Yeah. However, the one that's on this side of the road, I have gone down the creek probably three, 400 metres. Yeah. And there's some interesting stuff, nothing too amazing. However, I just, I feel, it's like my instinct tells me that I need to go back and spread just out. Just go further. Go yeah. further. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. And straight away what gets me with this is the fact that we're looking at right angles. Precision. 
and yeah, exact right angles, mm-hmm. and um, the lack of fracturing or anything like that that you could try to say that it was natural. Yeah, and 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 so obviously I sent uh, a piece of stone away to be analysed. Yep, and it's a type of sandstone. Uh, yep. this type of sandstone is known to break. In straight lines, yep. okay, which we'll see some of this in a which minute. Which so, some of you can see some cracks, yes, through it, yeah, which are fairly straight. Yep. Fair enough, yeah. But these these are like melted, rubbed, cut. It's it's something. Imp- it's it's like it's, it's been melted, right? Yeah. And yeah basically, yeah. what the geologist said is that in order to melt sandstone, you need to be at two thousand degrees Celsius plus. Okay. So that just just so we can get that into perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And look, I did a um, you know fair, fairly good amateur archaeology uh, dig at that, and you can see, look, that's so that is the you know you got the right angle, and then it goes the one to the to the right there mm-hmm. doesn't curve, but it looks like it would have, right? Yeah, you can see it started to. Yep. Okay. Yep. Um, and maybe once upon a time it did. Right, remembering yeah. that water runs over these rocks every time yeah. that creek runs up. Exactly. Okay, so it has had some sort of wash away uh, over the years. Yeah. But this is the other photos that I sent to him, and he, the, the geologist, said that this looks like it has been cut in some form. Yeah. Like that is not that that little that little the section zigzag there, the on, zigzag yep. section. That's not natural. Yeah. Right. So there's it, it's an interesting question as to when you look at something like this okay that's not natural this is that's not yeah what's what it's hard to understand hard to know yeah. now if we go back to they were maybe using the acid technique that we mm-hmm. talked about with the preparation stone before would you choose a stone that breaks in pretty straight lines it'd make your work a bit easier if you did yeah 100%. you know what I'm saying? you know what i'm saying like it's well you could use that um that known quality to speed up your process, yeah, to your advantage, exactly. Yeah. You know, some of the and look, that's just just the perfection of that there. Yeah, like it, 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 it boggles me still. Yeah, and what is the sunglasses? It's you know, it was we called it the sunglasses basically because it's Martin said it looked like a pair of eighty sunglasses. Yeah. Um. However, like, what is that? You know, it. It is an anomaly. Yeah, exactly. No. It's oops. There's, there's a relief there where the nose piece would be. Yeah, you. Yeah, nothing about it says feels natural. Nothing. No. It has been. Im- there's. It's, it is an imprint into the stone of a tool of something, you know. And obviously, my conclusions to that are: it's like this is a meeting place. Okay, so surrounding this imprint, there is numerous axe grinding um, grooves. There's. You know, there's there's the pace grinding grooves, and we, we went there yeah. and we stirred that snake up. However, you know, there's multiple different versions, and it's a meeting place. It's almost like on a crossroad. It's almost like on a boundary of multiple tribes, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a meeting place where it was like neutral ground. Yeah, you go and have a bath there. You go and sharpen your stones there. You know what I mean? You might do meetings there. Yeah. If you're going to leave evidence of something that is out of place. You're going to leave it at a meeting place that's probably been a meeting place since who fucking knows how long? Tens yeah. of thousands, hundreds of thousands of years? Like, what are we actually talking about? Yeah. We don't know. 
Millions. Millions, yeah. You know. Exactly. And that's the interesting thing. And I, I, I need to go back there and I need to go under the bridge and up that way and I yep. need to go the other way a bit further as well just for my own peace of mind so I can see what I can see. The only other thing I can think of just while you were talking about unnatural shapes occurring in, in the rock yeah, it takes me back to the, the information that you were saying about the fact that it's sandstone. Mm. Sandstone gets created in a depository manner yeah so that's it get the material gets deposited yes, there and then does. then it it um solidifies over time so what if there was a tool sitting something in was stuff? sitting in there and has since rusted decayed mm-hmm. has and that was the uh, that was the other um i think woody was talking about that that was his when he, he looked at it, he's like what if it was a, like volcanic or something and there was a tool in the in the in the sludge or whatever yeah, and yeah. basically that tool stayed there and then over time and that's all we've got left of it. Yeah, exactly. Is a shape. Mm. Yeah. It's oops art, man. That is an out of place artifact. It makes 100%. no sense for no, it to be there. You're exactly right. And there's no studies on this. Nothing. Yeah. Like no one has noticed it seemingly before us that day. Yeah. Or at least no one's hung not- onto it. Noticed it and gone, hang on a minute. What is that? That's weird. Yeah. Yeah. No, nah, that's it, man. Probably because it is Oopsite. Mm. Because anything they were able to put it to didn't fit the timeline. Well, this is the thing. I think I think a lot of people look at this stuff that aren't invested into it and go, what's that? Oh, that's a bit weird. Well, also, it's Australia. Yeah. And... Nothing happened here. Nothing happened here. Yeah. You know? Supposedly. When, when the white man came 200 years ago, the state of the culture... They were just was wiped out. They, well, that's yeah, but what apparently what they found mm. was just a, a very hunter gatherer civilization. Mm. You know, nothing that's n- no civilization mm. in terms of uh, housing and built up areas and mm. cities and mm. stuff like that. It turns out though, there was. There was areas. There yeah, was exactly. communal areas. That's there was. right. But all that sort of stuff's been kept. Yeah. It's been just it was destroyed. The the transfer of information was destroyed. Yeah. Well apparently um Colin and the Southern United Tribes group are actually trying to bring back this information. One of the things that I need to go back to this site and actually check mm-hmm. is that at the Gosford Glyphs, you remember those those like circular holes that are all over there? Yeah. Right? And they're a bit strange. Yeah. And we're basically told that they were used to round stuff off. That That's the explanation. Yeah. There's very similar holes in the Bosnian Pyramid Complex and there's very similar holes at Gosford. And what they're actually doing is marking out a star map. Oh. So I want to go back to where this is. Yeah. Take some photos of them. Take some photos yeah. of them and do, do, a bit of, do a bit more field work on it. Mm-hmm. Because if you think when you stand there, what above you is open sky because of yeah. the big rocky plateau. That's right. So maybe it is a bloody star map. Like that's something that I, I it, it came to me talking to Jock actually after yep. information came through Colin and I saw the same things at the Bosnian Pyramid Complex. I'm like, hang on a minute. I've seen those before here. That's interesting. That is very interesting. And that's something that needs to be... Looked, yeah, look, looked into yeah, 100%. further investigation yeah definitely so you know again uh, just a presentation on current information however understanding that there's more to come 
Beautiful, we, man. Beautiful. Where, where we're going to finish is here. Gosford. The Gosford glyphs. The hieroglyphs that are present at Gosford. Yep. Now, I always thought they were genuine. Only, and look, uh, the, the strong boys said they were genuine. And they sort of told a bit of a story about them. However, when a guy, when Muhammad, when I saw that Muhammad knew about them and found out about them, was working on them, that's literally a guy who studied hieroglyphs his entire life. Yeah. And reads them every day. Now, that's an entirely different skill set. Oh, yeah. And competency level. Yeah. Than anything else that has ever been said about these. Yes, 100%. Okay. And obviously, that was the the cause for me and Muhammad getting together. So listen to Knowledge of Egypt 1, if you haven't already, because we go into this in great detail. I'm going to go through some of the stuff he showed me. I've also got a paper of his that he sent me, but I don't know whether I can distribute it at the moment. Um, it's basically the paper he pre- presented on the podcast. However, it's the entire document. All right, so I haven't spoke to him yet. However, this one here, okay? Because if you know about the Gosford glyphs, you know about the one that looks like a UFO taking off, right? Yep. It's not a bloody UFO. And you know me. I want it to be a UFO. Of course. Okay? Yep. But there's two of those, and they're upside-down boats. Yep. Why? Because the Gosford Glyphs, there's part of the story that we do know. Tell the story. They tell the story that a fleet of ships, they were heading north. They got hit by a storm coming across the east coast. They tried to turn around and come back, and their ships went upside down. Yep. The other one that is to the right of this one, I think, Mm -hmm. is actually has a broken mast. Like it has this thing, and it's got like a broken mast. And and people have said, oh, that's like the, the exhaust port of the UFO. No, that is the dude going. Our ships got fucked up. It was upside mm. down. Everything got broken, right? Everyone knows UFOs don't have exhaust ports anyway. Yeah, that's right, right? <laughs> However, I just wanted to... It's not a UFO. Yep. Okay? The basic story is clear. That basically they they were traveling here. Their ships got broken. And that was the last time they were here. And that was 500 BC. BC, yep. Okay. Here's some of the other stuff there. And this is just some of the examples of the work. There's a hieroglyph that is a engraver's set. And I'll show you off the mic. I didn't put it up here because it was hard. to. I, I wanted to, at the end of 90 slides, I knew we'd be a couple of hours in, which is where we are now. So I couldn't fit everything in. We're going to come back and go over this stuff as new information comes to light. But there, what I want you to have a look at is... That's pretty bloody. That's not. It doesn't look like they're scratching it. Scratch, 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 scratch. Does it? It looks like they're dragging it through, and pretty much just drawing it into the stone. Now the mm. hieroglyph for the scribe set looks like a soldering iron or something like that. It looks like an object with the button on and off button. I'll show yeah. you later. It's yeah, crazy yeah. because that's what when I've been looking at these carvings. It looks like they were done in one pass. Yeah. Yep. That's what's interesting to me. Yeah. Looks like they were done in one pass. See, we can't help ourselves, bloody Aussies. (laughs) 
Can't help ourselves. I saw that. Mate, that's the first one <laughs> yeah, I saw course, as soon as he flicked up on it. Of course you did. We can't bloody help ourselves. But again, it looks like they're done. It looks like it's done in one pass. I mean, what's your thoughts on that? Look, Ben, I'm, I'm with you in terms of, yeah, um, the lines look very uniform. Mm. That's what I'm looking for. That's the word I was looking for. Mm. Uniform in their depth and the way in which they're done. Mm. Um, I mean, to think about chiseling these these in, it's... And the story that to to try and debunk these mm-hmm. about a dude just chiseling away, yeah, creating who who managed to somehow put very accurate hieroglyphs up. According, it's actually it's it's not that they're accurate. What what actually sold Muhammad, yeah, is that they're inaccurate. It's th- this guy's writing shorthand. Yep. And you, the only way you would know that that was shorthand of that time period is if you were in that time in period. In that time period, yeah. And if this was done in the 50s and 60s, there was no professor with the knowledge to actually be able to do this full stop end of story. Yeah. And what Muhammad said is true. It's like no one tried to take credit for it. If you were going to go and do 500 plus glyphs on a wall mm. and not even take credit, just, as, just for what, you know? For, yeah. Just to... I don't know, like just to mess with people's heads or... So the fact that we can... Look, I'm I'm sold. Mm-hmm. They, they're genuine. Yeah. That means that in 500 BC, the Egyptians came here. Yep. Full stop, end of story. The who, what, when, where, why is basically the next UTC. Yeah, that's, that's the mystery that needs yeah. to be solved. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing too that was that, that uh, and Muhammad mentioned is these are cartouches. Mm-hmm. However, these cartouches, a cartouche is normally only for royalty. Yeah. But because old mate had just survived uh, a ship crash, a shipwreck. Yeah. Right. He decided to put him and like the captain and that in their own cartouches and in honor of them. Right? And Muhammad's like, right. in Egypt, you couldn't do that because yeah. it's only for royalty. But he's like, who's going to get them if they're in the Australia? You yeah, know? yeah, like, yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, and that's another it's thing. The kind he, of thing a survivor would do. Exactly. Yep. Right. And it's just, man, you know, that is the end. You would, you didn't think that was 93 slides. We we smashed through those. Fair so income. Yep. That's the end. That's the end of tonight's presentation. Obviously, with many, many more things to go. Yeah. Right? Last one. That was a lot. My head hurts too. <laughs> the craziest thing is we haven't even scratched the surface. And that's true. Yeah. And that's, you know, it's a lot to take in. We did punch through that very quickly. Yeah. But there's so much good information in there, man. So much good things to be unlocked. Mm. Mm. And it is, as always, posing more questions than answers. But I think we have more knowledge to pose better questions. Definitely. Right? If you if you think about some of the in-depth stuff and the stuff we discussed tonight, like instead of just look, oh, my God, massive stones. Hang on a minute. What is that stone under there doing? What's this doing? You know, let's let's honor the, the Romans that came here. Let's look at Gobekli Tepe. Look at the, you know, the, the fill stones. What's the difference? How did they, you know what I mean? We, we, you, you, 
we're digging deeper. Yeah. We can accept. Well, what's what's the tie between the Egyptians to Australia? Yeah. Had they have they been to all the other sites that we mentioned? Absolutely. You know, if if they came here, if we've got some evidence of them being here in one place at one time. Yeah, where else were they? Where else were they? Were they frequent visitors? Mm-hmm. You know, why does the polygonal masonry on Easter Island pretty much look exactly the same? Yeah, as the masonry on it, the church at Gympie. Yeah, exactly. You know. Yeah, and that's just another anomaly. There's nowhere else where there's polygonal masonry. Mm-hmm. That's know? right. And some of that stuff is I'm actually looking at the striations in the stone. Mm-hmm. So like the you know the, those gouge marks. Yeah. Those gouge marks. Yeah. Some very similar stuff looking at Easter Island. Yep. Right? So it's not only similar size stones and similar building technique, it's, it seems to be a similar... Similar pattern on the surface. Pattern or cutting technique. Yeah. Right. Yeah, but again, yeah. I'll go through that and have a bit more of a deeper dive. But yeah, brother, that's uh, Megalithomania too. Well, my friend, you've done a lot of bloody work there. That was awesome. It was a great presentation filled with lots of good information and great photos to back it up. Mm. A lot mm. of that stuff I hadn't seen before. Well, that was my aim. That mm-hmm. was my aim to show the depth of some of this stuff now. You know, like obviously when we started here four years ago, we were, oh, it was the main, it's hard to say, but it was the mainstream stuff we were looking at. Yeah. Main, mainstream alternative arche- alternative archaeology. Yes. Yeah. Whereas what I'm trying to do is in order to refine the puzzle pieces, you need to look deeper. Yeah. You need to be in that observer space. Get off the beaten track. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and and, and I think the field trips have been very important as well because when you're, you know, you're digging in the dirt, you're looking at this stone stuff, you're looking at this, you're, you're analysing the footage when you come back, you're, you're talking, you know, the, the knowledge that has come through over the last sort of 12 months or so is, is, is next level as well. Mm. And then having that pers- those perspectives just keeps adding, you know, it either makes one dot stronger or it, it, it takes away another one. But either way... There's something when we we talk about unlocking the code, you know. I feel like we're on the way. We're mm. more than on the way. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that Australia is the missing link. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's how I feel. I feel like if we can tie Egypt, definitely. But if we could tie the builder culture from Easter Island or South... Well, if we can tie South America, there's genetic links in the bottom of South America. That's undeniable, right? That's right, yep. So we can already tie South America to Australia and we can already tie Egypt to Australia. Yeah. There's your polygonal masonry and there's there's your hieroglyphs, right? Yeah. If we can prove that, like it's obviously there's a lot of physical evidence we've it, seen tonight. Yeah. However, if we can bolster... Yes, that then means that both of those civilizations were circumnavigating. Yep. Both of those, or was it one civilization? This is the, this is the point, right? Yeah. Are we talking about a builder culture? And there was an article I posted to the page today where it said that the Australian indigenous may have got into the millions at one stage. Mm-hmm. Doesn't surprise me. It's a big country, right? Yeah. And then I started, and, I, and it was actually uh, Mr. Tomlinson that commented, and like they didn't take into account cataclysms. Like... I'm going to come back to, and I'm going to try and get in touch with the 
the person who wrote that paper on the double impact in golf carpenteria. Yeah. I want to actually talk to that. It's, it's I think it's a lady actually. Mm-hmm. How I'm going to look that up. I'm going to try and get in touch with her because I want her professional opinion on it. Yeah. Because that's a major cataclysm that happened in Australia. You know, five forty AD. Yeah. Right? So that would definitely have had a major impact on the population here. Definitely. Like the double impact being that close. Being that close. Yeah. Right. Would it would it sent the world into a mini ice age, right? For yep. three or four years. Mm-hmm. It aided the fall of the Roman Empire, froze everything in Japan, there's tree rings in Japan, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So if you're at ground zero of that event, yeah. what's the Like it's fallout? literally a few thousand Ks north from here. Yeah. 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 So what effect does that have on, on everything the, around you? Absolutely. Yeah. And what and what if 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 the culture here was still at a level of advancement that was significant at, until that time, how much would have that wiped everything out? You know, like that's a question that has to be asked as well. Yeah, exactly. It's unfortunate, however it happens. Yeah. But if we can if we can start to join this together, I mean, if you think there's millions here, they reckon 100-plus million in South America, that means at one point or another, the global population was over a billion. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a comfortable estimate. If we look at all the cities all over the globe, the major metropolises that are under the sand, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, that means at some point we're over a billion. Yeah. Like that, I would say, is prior to the cataclysm. To the cataclysm, yeah. Right? And then that puts into, then you sort of, then you can extrapolate from there. It's like that then puts into perspective how big was actually what happened mm-hmm. like we we there's n- we don't have any concept mm, it's one of those it's one of those things you can't you can't grasp no. in terms of like you know when you're talking about um astronomical distances and stuff yeah. like that you you can't you can't grasp those and the cataclysm may just fall into another one of those categories it does we we there's no superlatives, there's no descriptors that can actually truly make well, us understand. Well, where, where I'm going right now is is uh, Randall Carlson's descriptions of the size of the floodwaters. Yeah, it's it, you can't fathom the, the numbers. Yeah. No, exactly. The size of the, yeah, the, and tons the depths of water, of water and, and, yeah, and the, flow. the amount of flow rate. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They're the same sorts of things. Yeah. And they're, they're only trickle-down effects from the actual impact the impact yeah. that actually set it all off exactly you know was there a, a blast of of ice that came off it that froze mammoths you know i think that's without a shadow of a doubt personally however yeah yeah those you know those mammoths and wolves and stuff that uh rhinos yeah. and all that sort of stuff all that megafauna the north american megafauna and the, and the, when we they say i think it was i'm trying to remember that i'm pulling numbers out at the moment however i think it's 70 percent of the megafauna were wiped out at that twelve thousand eight hundred year mark that means us yeah we are megafauna we are megafauna yeah exactly right that means 70 percent of us yep right we can't understand or fathom if we were to wipe out Seventy percent of our population now mm-hmm. globally, mm-hmm. the people who are left, are they going to have the technology that we have now? No, no. they are going to be wiped into the Stone Age. Exactly, exactly. It, reset button. Seventy percent of the population yeah. gone. We but wouldn't... see, that's seventy percent in the initial impact. 
what's the ongoing effect? How, what's the percentage of the nuclear winter and the fact that the sun didn't shine for a thousand years? You know, like how do we grasp that? Not only that, the fact that if you're in a, in a technologically advanced civilization, you might be an artist. Yeah, you might, right. You know, you might be a dancer. Yeah. You might be... You don't. You may not know. You may not be agricultural. No, that's you right. You may not know how to farm. No idea. You may be separate from that yeah. life, yeah. and you go to the supermarket and you buy your food mm-hmm. or whatever you called it at so, that yeah, time. Go to the market and get whatever you need to get. And it, like the the one of the founding statements still rings true. There's answers in the past that can help us in the present, and then help us therefore in our future. And that's one of the founding statements of unlocking the code. That's what we're trying to figure out. If you had have told me four years ago that this is where we would be, I would have been, that's fucking awesome. Because it is. Like, we're not anywhere near unlocking the code. However... Nor will I think you ever could be. No. You know. We know nothing, right? One pixel that's, in that screen is what we know compared yeah, exactly. to what is available. That's now. right. You know, like that's <laughs> exactly. That's why the. That's why there's a percentage of the population that that prays for the for the space daddy just yeah. to answer the questions. That's right. Someone who knows it, because mm. the problem is, no one will ever we'll truly know. know anything. We'll but what know. we can do is is take slivers mm. of information. Mm-hmm. That may help us for the future. Yeah. That's really all you can do. Absolutely. And what I do find, you know, the the deeper I dig into this stuff and I see the other people that are doing it, is there's actually quite a community and quite a growing community behind these questions. Yeah. And I think what we can do with social media and the modern internet and all that sort of stuff is we can choose to make it work for us instead of us working for it. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's what we can do. And that's what I'm doing. That's how do you think Muhammad came on? How do you think I'm getting these? I'm, I'm beginning to venture out. And the work that's come before that you've been a part of, mate, and thank you very much, stands on its own now. Mm. Right? If someone looks at the podcast and goes, oh, 131 episodes, right, that's not nothing. No. And then they start to listen to some of our older ones of these with megalithic stuff. That's quality work. You go back and listen to that. We're having a good time. However, the information is good. Yeah. You know, and then we're just taking that to the next level. Well, brother, let's wind this up. Have you got any, out of curiosity, because I know I showed you a lot of new information, (laughs) what was the the craziest thing that you saw tonight that you hadn't seen before? Oh, Probably the unfinished obelisk. I thought so. Yeah. Um, the the scoops. The how, the how, who, what, yeah. when, where, why. Yeah. How do you lift it? How do you move it? What's your thought process? Are you, you know, all, all of those questions. That was probably the best part for me, mm. personally. Well, or the biggest, yeah. not the best, but... Like, because it was all quality, I'm saying the biggest takeaway. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's the one you're going to go home and have a look at. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. And so you should. Yeah, and the thing is, we didn't even get to Zakara. We didn't get to Luxor. We didn't get to a million other places. You know, and let's not forget the the list of countries that are there. That are there. Exactly. You 
Like malt is another one that we're going to look into. There's a, a the Megalith Hunter on Instagram basically takes all these pictures of Malta, very similar T-shaped pillars mm-hmm. in Ireland, very similar T-shaped pillars. These T-shaped pillars are turning up as well, yeah. Which again gives us echoes of a global, a global, yeah, exactly. Builder culture, exactly. Well, brother, I think that's it. Thank you very much for having me in, man. It was no a very um, any time enlightening talk. Thank you. Yeah, we'll we'll uh, we'll sit down. Well, we have got some. Uh, we, we keep talking about UFOs, mate. That's that's probably going to be our next one. There's some more stuff coming there's out. There's more stuff coming out. Yeah, it's some good. interesting theories. So we'll have a chat about that and uh, sit down again in the near future. I look forward to it. Thanks, mate. Till next we meet. Cheers. One, two. Shine.